This podcast is not safe for work and will feature movie spoilers. It will feature scenes described of a graphic nature. It will contain language which most listeners may find offensive. Welcome to the podcast Under the Stairs. Hi everyone and welcome to the podcast Under the Stairs. This is episode 333. I'm your host Duncan McLeish. Welcome to the show. Upon this episode we conclude our Russian Roulette franchise retrospective on the Children of the Corn franchise. The final four movies being covered on this episode will be Children of the Corn Revelation, Children of the Corn Remake from 2009, Children of the Corn Genesis from 2011 and finally Children of the Corn Runaway from 2018. Four guests joining me on this episode to get down and dirty in the mud and the corn and all that other stuff which I I don't know. I've never been in a cornfield so I'm just making up shit now. So yeah, that's coming on this episode. I will be ordering from favourite to least favourite at the close of this show so if anyone gives a fuck or if you've got a passing interest stick around to the end to check it out now we are rapidly closing in on christmas eve when the doors close for podcasts under the stairs in the teapots collective so what can you expect before friday is done well well today children of the corn tomorrow a true crime double bill as selected by you guys out there featuring guest darren wilson as we talk about tales of the grim sleeper and dear zachary thursday is movie club listener reviews of part four and the final part of our mario bava season looking at rabid dogs you have until tomorrow which is wednesday to get your reviews in to make it on that episode and then friday christmas eve you'll be getting the christmas eve commentary featuring myself the Baz and Liam from Scotland Liam versus Evil and Jaws is Shite as we sit down and not even remotely talk about the movie that you guys selected Dead Alive because Baz couldn't be bothered so there's a lot of grumpy Baz on that one so if you enjoy grumpy Baz that is the episode for you that's coming on Friday then we close the doors with only Dexter reviews coming every Monday in between until we reopen in the new year Teapots Collective between most likely between today and tomorrow you'll be getting the next installment of doing the nasty and that is the only episode we're putting out on that feed before we close the doors coming back early january 2022 so there you go that's you guys all cut up so let's get into this shall we i'm going to take a very short break just now you are going to hear promos for shows that i love the russian roulette sounder and then the trailer for the first movie we're discussing this is children of the corn revelation aka children of the corn seven i'll be joined with guest lacey lou and in the background dan chase for that movie right after this this is michael kane award-winning film actor you may know from such cinematic achievements as a muppet's christmas Carol. 
in Jaws for the Revenge, where I played a character named after a fucking sandwich. I approve of the following promotional message. Do you like movies? Well, of course you do, you silly twit. You're listening to a movie podcast right now. Do you like podcasts about movies? I mean, if you're listening to this, your life is empty and without direction. So, of course you do. Why not continue the spiral downwards with... They must be destroyed on sight! Yet another semi-regular podcast about film that will occupy some of that empty space in your soul. We cover every genre, but focus on a lot of obscure and cult films with a leaning towards exploitation. If you want a podcast that's going to talk about a silent film from the 1920s one week and a sleazy biker film from the 1960s the next, and then back to something like Singing in the Rain, the next episode, they must be destroyed on sight! Maybe for you. So tune in and join regular hosts Lee Russell, Daniel Hopper, Paul Romali, and Lee Hardy, as well as the odd guest host at tmbdos.podbean.com. Thank you, Drive Through. Welcome back, ladies and gents. So we're continuing on this franchise. Why won't it end? Why won't it end? Such a bad idea. Um, and then the man that suggested it bailed on me. And then the man that's taking credit for it has fallen asleep. Um, so Gary, if you're listening to this, you fell asleep on my recording, motherfucker. And I'm, I'm going to have to now have to stay up to try and get you locked in. I love you, but you're making it hard for me. I love you right now. Um, right. Uh, this is Children of the Corn Revelation, a.k.a. Children of the Corn, number seven from 2001. The lady who had her name drawn from the Bowl of Doom to face off against this artistic tome of awesome, um, that's debatable, uh, is the lovely Lisey Lou. How's it going? It's good. It's good. I mean, maybe minus this movie. Like, can we go back to like recording Jaws two or Urban Legends Final Cut? Like anything but this movie. Um, you know the thing is the thing the thing is like, I I picked this. I've I mentioned this before. I picked this because I got in a conversation with our buddy JP, and I'd said to him that I'd covered the first three movies years ago. And he was like, part three's awesome. And I was like, mm, I don't know if it actually is. And he's like, I'm telling you, dude, part three's awesome. He's like, there's a couple of gems in there. You just need to dig for them. And I was like, you know what? It's, we'll do a Russian roulette on it, because how many is there? And it turns out there was a lot more than I thought there was, 
which is usually <laughs> a bad sign. And I will give him to his credit, part three is the best by quite a bit. But there is two movies in the entire franchise that I can say hand on heart, I have enjoyed. Um, the rest have been various shades of awful and they keep making them. And none of them resemble the first movie at all. <laughs> Oh. No, uh, when when I got drawn this, like I looked up the poster art for it, and I believe I posted it in the group. I was like, I'm excited to talk about this mm-hmm. and uh, or this atrocity or something. And JP goes, it's not even that bad. It, and it is so JP. Just don't ever listen to JP. Period. As <laughs> JP, I mean, okay, this is this is not a good movie um and we'll get into a bit of that now joining us in the background is uh, is your lovely beau uh, one mr dan chase hi dan hey what's up brother yeah and um I, I, you are basically the hype man for lacy so when she drops the truth bombs you can be like oh shit damn well, in the background. i feel like i can only be like half on this show because i only watch like half the movie it's so fucking bad yeah me, me and lacy wish we'd done the same uh so <laughs> really 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 do as this one is directed by guy mager or mager um and he has done just loads of tv which would make sense because this has a very tv horror movie feel um this stars claudette mink uh, Kyle Cassie, Michael motherfucking Ironside and he blink yes. and you will miss him roll here <laughs> although he's rocking like am- he's rocking the weirdest makeup ever they've accentuated his scar and where his his eyebrow goes through his scar they painted it white for, <laughs> for no fucking reason at all it's just bizarre uh, Troy York, Michael J. Rogers Taylor Hobbs, Jeffrey Ballard Sean Smith, Yankee Crystal Lowe and other non-entities um you know you're in for a good time when the majority of the cast on imdb doesn't have a headshot (laughs) it's just an empty profile picture uh synopsis for this one is when a girl named jamie repeatedly tries to contact her grandmother to no avail she investigates by going to the apartment in omaha nebraska only to find it's been condemned and overtaken by possessed children hate that when that happens uh, more often than you would believe man, these kids these days uh, as she digs deeper she discovers a dark secret about her grandmother and awakens a dark demonic force that wants Jamie dead and will stop at nothing yeah like this movie is like if you took the worst element like the worst idea of death's master plan from final destination and then <laughs> and then fisted it into like the worst Stephen King story ever um, and then presented it as a movie. Uh, <laughs> this is just our final destination for continued, Duncan. Oh, dude, honestly, the, the, the gimmick in here, the, the, the twist in here is that because our, mother, our grandmother escaped death, um, he who walks behind the row has set up this multi-year master plan, like a long con, to get her to an apartment <laughs> building. Killer is bullshit. Anyway, anyway... Um, Lacey, as you know, we do these reviews in a, in a, a manner which I'm very thankful for on this fucking movie, which is four <laughs> questions. <laughs> uh, the first question is, what does Children of the Corn Revelation from 2001 do well? Oh, God. Um, <laughs> um, uh, um, that's a head scratcher. Um, I'm trying to think here. Um, you know what? 
there was a fun little moment where the kids are playing um, that like Miss Mary Mac song where they're, like they're like clapping. I don't even know if it's Miss Mary Mac, but like they're mm-hmm. playing like Dead Hand. Yes. Like, uh, so I guess that was kind of fun. It wasn't bad. It wasn't bad. Um, the yeah. I, I'm. Just, I, I'll be honest with you. This movie finished, and I, I actively hated it. So, um, <laughs> like, I'm trying to think of like anything that like I got a little chuckle out of that. Mm-hmm. Like, it reminded me of. Um, but it took me to uh, the hot chick. Yes. When uh, with Rob Schneider and like he's so extra doing that routine with Anna <laughs> Ferris, Anna Ferris or whatever. Like when they're clapping hands and it, mm-hmm. like he's like, "Ew, she's gonna scar or something," you know, like. I, so it was reminiscent. It brought me back to a movie that I thoroughly enjoyed. Yes, yes. So it, it was good for that, like because it took me out of the movie and put me <laughs> into one that, like, I actually enjoy watching. Yeah, our plus point here is it reminded of us. It reminded us of much better movies. <laughs> yes, yes. Like there was some like interesting ideas. Definitely, like, mm. that, like clearly it's just super low budget. Oh yeah. Um, yeah. All right, the CGI corn coming from oh the my god is, like is fucking there's, amazing <laughs> there's not even a fucking cornfield like the cgi just like pops up the, the cgi cornfield pops up when what do you mean dies. the husk come out and then they bleed <laughs> troll Dan, troll like- in the dungeon troll <laughs> Dan, did you like any part that you watched absolutely not <laughs> <laughs> Michael Ironside in anything is is great, but no, not even that could save the bleeding husks. Yeah, <laughs> Michael Ironside's in it for what three minutes, maybe tops, and he has about two lines of dialogue all in. Like most of it is him standing, like kind of doing Ironside face, where he's all being broody and shit, and then yeah. he delivers two lines. And then that character is a non-event after that. He's there as an exposition dump. Which exactly. confused me because that's technically what the cops are for as well. So they have two different characters deliver an exposition for like kind of the same thing. Like one of them's like, "Oh, your grandmother was a naughty girl. She survived a fire in Gatlin." And I'm like, "Oh, right. Oh, so at least acknowledging Gatlin still is a part of this like, franchise." Oh, yeah. You know, it's a good thing that like the the grandmother is like a driving force or whatever. But um, one part that I did um, appreciate them mm-hmm. was having the granddaughter not actually call her like when she's yelling for her mm-hmm. grandmother. She calls her grandma. Grandma, yeah. Instead of grandmother, you know. <laughs> Where is my grandmother? <laughs> um, yeah, it's um, I I I genuinely don't have much in the way of anything positive to say about this movie it's currently and we were talking about this off here it's currently as it stands just now tied for my least favorite of the entire <laughs> franchise um, well let's see if we can make it like just your least favorite that's yeah i mean there's a, there's a good there's a good see the problem with it and this is the thing that has baffled the fuck out of me doing this series is children of the corn has some of the worst i mean pound for pound some of the worst movies um that make no sense to the original where they just go off and every sequel just becomes its own thing it's very the the one right. I've been using as a and it's the same studio funnily enough is Hellraiser Hellraiser yes. yeah Hellraiser just became a series of movies that you could plug Pinhead in at the end and that's how the studio retained the rights and that's basically what they're doing here but on the other side of that it has some of the like pound for pound Best kind of genre casting of any franchise I've ever seen in my entire fucking 
life. We're talking about we've got David Carradine up in here, yeah. Michael Ironside, Eva Mendes in her first role, Naomi Watts in her first fucking role, um, Charlize Theron in her first role, um, who else? Uh, Big Drago's in the next one. Um, after this, like I get to talk about him with Gary, um, and he's just oh, what the fuck's going on with that? Um, yeah, you know, it's, it's like a, it is it is packed with people that you're like. How the fuck did you get like all those actors that weren't doing anything in the nineties were in children of the corn movies? Um, right. so, so the fact that Ironside appears, I'm like, well, that's kind of cool. But like I say, it doesn't do anything with it. And then I'm kind of left with, like I mentioned once again off air, uh, Claudia Claudia Mink kind of looks like Grace from Will and Grace, which was immensely off-putting to me because I expected her <laughs> to say something funny almost at every turn, and she doesn't. Um, <laughs> like, never. For, <laughs> never. For someone that seems, like, genuinely concerned, we're on the bad, by the way. This is what this movie do bad now. Because um, I'm no good. Uh, she, like, for someone that's concerned about her grandma, she spends a lot of time not looking for her grandma at all. Right. And just sleeping and or chatting to people in the building. Um... The, the, the fact that this is set in an apartment complex is a big fucking warning signal for me straight away because <laughs> it, it's like, well, we, we've done the fields and we've done the farmhouses and we've done the quiet towns. Now, apartment complex. I mean, it worked for, you know, Polanski, so it'll work for us here. And it doesn't work. <laughs> like, I think that's why JP said this movie's not that bad because, like, I know, like, we did the Slumber Party Massacre and one of the movies that he chose was um, Tenet or The Tenet. Mm. And yeah. I, I know he's a big fan of apartment horror. Yeah, so. I loved it. Like, see, but like the tenant is like, to me, the tenant's like a masterpiece, right? And this yeah. is like what happens when someone sees the tenant and says, oh, "That sounds like a good idea." And, like, <laughs> you know what I mean? And then just I don't know, goes out and does. Like, I, I, the, almost at every level on this, this movie kind of fails. Um, it delivers a. I mean, its story doesn't really necessarily make all that much sense at all. Oh, well, yeah, like, um, it wasn't happy that, that the grandmother survived, so it waited for her daughter, who we could have just killed, um, to have a baby, and then it decided to kill her. And I'm like, why did it do that? Like, it just... And then all the fucking corn that keeps popping up, and the corn that bleeds, and then the dude that wants to have a barbecue on the roof, fuck him, and then, like, the the, 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 the girl who's a stripper, who, within three seconds... Because you know, like, how strippers just, like, you know, just love being naked even when they're not working. I mean, that's... Right. <laughs> otherwise, it's like it's like the guy that works in McDonald's that just can't wait to go home after finishing his shift and make a Big Mac. It's like, <laughs> it's the fucking most stupid, lazy bastard thing ever. But they meet each other and she's just stripping her clothes off. And, it, like, everything... Like, the characters are just... They're not... They're just, like... For, they're facsimiles of what people are actually like which if the movie was entertaining I wouldn't mind but the movie's not entertaining um, it just kind of shuffles through awkward set piece after awkward set piece to give you an ending which I couldn't give less of a fuck about you could fill the Grand Canyon with the amount of fucks <laughs> I gave about the story in this movie and, right. then, and then the CGI explosion of the building at the end yeah oh I love that <laughs> yeah, I, I was like, what? Yeah, I'd sat at the end going, well, I mean, we know how burning he he walks behind the row works here. I mean, that, that surely stopped this evil curse that's transcended several decades to get to you. You've showed him. Case closed. Book him, Dano. Right. I'm like, what the fuck are we doing here? 
And then, yeah, like, if right. you can't, if you cannot physically afford to just like have, well, why does the corn have to sprout from the ground as a CGI effect? Like, just camera turn round, we hear some noise, camera turn back, room full of corn. That's less offensive to the bad. I mean, like, Mortal Kombat. <laughs> yeah, like the apartment complex be like in front of the cornfield or well, something. It, it is yeah. though when we arrive, there's there's corn at the front. That's literally all you need to see. I don't need to see corn growing inside the apartment. That well, makes no and then sense. It, like when somebody dies, that's when the crow the crow uh, the corn uh grows. Yes. And uh, it takes the bodies down into the soil. And I think mm -hmm. that's like maybe because she escaped. Um well it really so like they yeah. have to travel with the, 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 the right like it has to repopulate with the fertilizer of the dead body mm. right some fresh dead people yeah no it, it begs the question though why even call it a children of the corn movie and i think that's why they just slapped it on yeah well yeah. amongst horror fans it's regarded as shit but if you ask like a normal person a lot of people know children of the corn just as much as they know pennywise or yep. jason or freddy and that's embarrassing for horror fans because of movies like this. Instead, it's there were so many of them. Like right. if you, like, if you went to the video store, all these are straight to video, Dan. You know what I mean? All these are straight to video. So like I like yeah. I remember when this movie came out. I remember the VHS cover for it. I didn't realize it was the seventh one. I just assumed it was like part four or something. Right. I didn't realize there was that many of them. But I re I remember this, and I worked in a video store in two thousand and one. So I remember seeing the cover for this, and. Like, if you're just... I think the thing is, as well, is... It's, I mean, it's such a loose premise anyway. It's, it's why I keep coming back to the Hellraiser analogy, because... Right. Like, as... Like, when you speak about Hellraiser, people think Pinhead, right? And that's not how Hellraiser was originally envisaged. It's just that was the biggest... That's how you could market the movies for sequels. So that's right. how they did it. But there is a point where... Like, if you did not make a movie within a two-year window that was called Hellraiser in some way, shape, or form that used the Pinhead character, then you lost the rights to do it. So, <laughs> right. But, and that's what Dimension did. They kept churning them out as much as possible to keep them going. And the, the you know, the, the inside gossip was that um, the Weinsteins sat on a huge bevy of horror scripts that never got made into movies. And what they would do is they would take said horror script and they would give them to someone else and say, right, make this a Hellraiser movie. And they would write right. the box in near the beginning and at the end. And then you would go off and make the movie. And it that's shows. kind of what this feels like. And it would also explain right. why the mythology changes so much movie to movie. The only thing that's kept kind of consistent here is the idea of a, a cult group of children that worship something um, but that's it. Like, like from that point, they've done, they've went back on themselves. And the second movie, they claim it's to do with uh, like some sort of Native American spirit. By the third movie, it's a plasticine or claymation creature. By the end of that one, um, you know. And, and as you work through them, they don't always necessarily even need to tie in. All you have to do is say Gatlin. Oh, it's linked to that Gatlin massacre with those kids. And right. but at this stage with the meta sequels, none of those kids burned because they all apparently escaped to different parts of America to set up new new franchises. Because there's that many that spin off, and I mean, this was originally supposed to be a remake. It's one of the facts about this one. They were going to remake it, um, and that obviously didn't happen. It's the next movie that's technically the remake, um, 
And but I just I don't know. I don't, like I was what every scene just kind of, and it's it's got that horrible early two thousands kind of fucking sepia tone over yes. everything, which is nauseating. And every time the kids are on the screen, the camera does that like MTV. Uh, kind of Slipknot music video thing where the camera tilts to the side and does a little shaky uh, action. <laughs> exactly. Well, and it's funny too because, you know, this started in the 90s and it definitely carries on through the 2000s, mm. but you could catch any one of these movies on sci-fi and I feel like that's where they fucking belong too yeah. because, again... Like up there with, like, Sharknado? But it's just... Yeah. It's not, <laughs> yes. I don't I don't get mad at these things, but, like... You're a liar. No, why? You no. said fuck this movie. You, t- like, you, you tell him, Lizzie. And jerk off. The what truth will out. <laughs> I can't confirm. You can't confirm that. I can. Uh, <laughs> no, why call it Children of the Corn? I don't understand. If it's so different, yeah, and they have such these loose through lines that they're that they're trying to connect or whatever. Like Duncan said, they should have fucking rebooted it because at least then it's dialing into something that people you know likes well, in the original. the irony of what you've just said is the next movie is a remake and it was made by Sci-Fi. Right. So there, 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 there you go. Well, my favorite you don't thing have about corn the, in a complex in that one. And I watched that one for like twenty minutes, and I didn't hate it. I thought it was. It's, it's, I mean, it's 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 okay. The problem with it is it's just it's kind of like it doesn't. It's cheap. It's like really, really, right. really cheap. And I think that's his, like one of its biggest problems. And it goes back to the source material. So the the couple, yeah. um, the, the the kind of Linda Hamilton character and her man from that. And the original are all lovey-dovey, but in the novel, they fucking hate each other. And all right. they do is argue in that remake, because that's, like, keeping it the source material. So you have two characters that all they do are obnoxious to each other, and as a result, I couldn't care about them at all. Right. It's just very, right. very difficult to watch. My favourite thing about the entire run of these Children of the Corn franchise things on IMDb yeah. is every single one of them has a fact, and it's the same fact that... in 2016, an interview with Deadline Hollywood News with Stephen King admitted that he could have done without all the Children of the Corn sequels. And you know what, Stephen King? I agree. I could have done without them as well. <laughs> I think we could all This agree. one feels like it could have been more of like a sequel of yeah. like Village of the Damned. Yes. Right. Right. It's and- always kind of just on the edge of kind of becoming that, but not quite committing to it. You know, right. I mean, it's always yeah. just on the edge of well, there's something wrong with these kids, and these kids are trying, and it's always just on the edge, and it can't quite decide whether or not it wants to be Wicker Man, and have these kids trying to kill people to you know regain the harvest, or right. Village of the Damned. What the fuck is going on with these? Ki- what is the deal with these kids? You know what I mean? It like can't make up its mind between the two, and as a result, but of all the things you could shove, like uh, right. You, I just, it, it confuses me. I want uh, my my version, my reboot of Children of the Corn would be Michelle Pfeiffer, Dangerous Minds. She goes at uh, this time she goes to Gatlin, though, <laughs> to reform a, a hard-up Gatlin ghetto school. And when she arrives there, try to convert these hip corn kids over <laughs> over to, like, higher learning. She finds out that actually they're part of a murderous cult. Make that a whole and can we actually uh, throw in Coolio as like a Busta Rhymes character doing kung fu to these children? And then at the walking through the valley behind the rose. And, and speaking of, I now know kung fu. And then yep. G Baby dies at the end, mm. and then G Baby haunts the. Wow. But like that's that's the movie there, right? Granted, the names that we've all just mentioned there will cost the studio a fortune, worth every penny though. 
worth every yeah, single Yeah, I think penny. people would watch it. I, mean, I don't... People watch Seed of Chucky. That's what I'm saying, though. True. Like, <laughs> like, no, but Chucky, I mean, they they had a great resurgence as of recent. Like, yeah. people were pretty much more or yeah. less on board. That's what this franchise needs. And Duncan, I absolutely loved your Hellraiser comparison because that's how I felt as well. Because they're so random. What do you yeah. mean? We're just now going through. This. I I watched like two of those pieces of shit, and I can't stand them <laughs> just as much as this series. But they're so popular, everybody knows them. Yeah, everyone knows Hellraiser. In fact, everyone is still t- like, all they have to do is post Hellraiser's being like that Hulu thing has generated right. more press this year than I would argue like just clickbait wise has generated as much press if not more than the Candyman remake which is fucking nuts really? Um, yeah oh god Yeah. every time someone posted about Candyman it was all like can't wait to see it why is this movie not come out yet and then you would get people going can't believe you didn't use Tony Todd and that would be about it right like uh, the Hellraiser yeah. thing every time it gets posted it's, it's not got Doug Bradley I don't want to watch it can't believe I've cast a woman as Pinhead like, and, and then you get threads right. and threads and of course the sites know that so they then populate the same news story just under a different head and over and over so, and over. Right, right. Like, like, the, didn't that happen three months ago? Yes, it did. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Didn't, didn't I already know this information? Oh, yes, yes, I did. Um, but that's that's what they do. Um, but I think at its best, this franchise, when it goes as goofy as... Like, like the reason I ultimately have come away with thinking that Children of the Corn Part 3 is the best Children of the Corn movie is because it it goes full in. It, like, it commits right. 100% to the goofy element, to the over-the-top religious stuff, like to the, the like corn grown like in an abandoned yard out the back of a house in Chicago. Um, right. And it becomes, it essentially at the end, becomes a Hellraiser movie. The corn is like sewn up <laughs> people's mouths. Um, you know, like he seems to control all this weird power and all the rest. And right. it, remind, it reminded me of Hellraiser 3. Which has that horrible CD Cenobite in it, but there's a part right. where I'm like, you've you've committed to this. Like someone sat down there as well. <laughs> we need to make this hip and cool, make this Cenobite have a CD mouth, uh, and you know that's the way, that's the way they've, they've that, that was the choice that was made to make just that movie. Just them down the street too. Yeah, just, yeah. Vroom, yeah. Vroom, yeah. Vroom, like, vroom, I, I thought I saw three dollar bill y'all in there. Well, this and that's that's why that movie works for me because it goes it goes one hundred percent to the most extreme version you can take that, and then right. it's fun with it as well. This movie is so fucking serious. Like all these movies are so serious about everything that I just find it like. But the performances aren't serious. Like the story's super serious, but the performances are kind of campy, and it, it's just at odds with itself. So when I watch right. them, I just don't know how... When one finishes out with relieved that it's finished, I don't know how I'm supposed to feel. Like I don't know. Right. I feel like I was kind of emotional at the end of this one, Duncan. <laughs> what? I mean, you have the, um, you know, the, the CGI the children's <laughs> souls coming out of the explosion. That, that was... And, hold on, hold on. No, you told me to like, if you look at the screen because it was so fucking ridiculous. I, you that think was, I'm being serious right now? Oh, okay. Oh, she's yeah. she's she, she, she's playing off. you like a fiddle. No, no but then <laughs> wouldn't like, be the first. So, so like I thought it was done, mm-hmm. and then like it cuts back to the Deborah Messing looking chick. Yeah. And the cop, <laughs> and then like it cuts back and it does the same exact scene. The same shot. The same yeah. exact shot. We don't have budget for it. We don't have budget for all. Like, at least <laughs> it. at least it invent it. Souls in the sky. <laughs> but hey, uh. there was some high tech tech 
technology here with some night goggle or night vision goggles. There was there was there was a night vision like the kill. But here's where this gets cheap as fuck, right? Because yeah. um, <laughs> like, you put the night vision goggles on and you see like what like forty kids standing in the elevator and you're like, oh, he's about to get fucked up. Cunt dies of a heart attack. He does. He does. <laughs> Brilliant. <laughs> like, doesn't get hacked with scythes. Like, that's what happens in these movies. Or like, like that. He just grabs his chest and drops. And I was but like, he keeps that... like, like he's afraid of like what's happening when he has the night vision on. Yeah. And he takes him off, and then just keeps putting him on, and proceeds to do so while he's while he's going throughout having his heart attack. Yeah, it's, 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 like, five years later of high blood pressure. This guy, this guy, this guy is like, but once again, had there been a scene earlier on where, I don't know, he was doing something and it kind of held his heart or something, the payoff would be okay there. This is the badass <laughs> military guy, the survivalist in the in the building. So he's all the guns. Um, and, you know, he's like, he's like super militant and all the rest. And... A couple of kids in his night vision goggles give him a heart attack. I'm just like that's the, just that sums up this movie. It kind of has an idea, doesn't have the budget to do anything with the idea, so it takes the cheapest possible way of getting out, and almost yeah. every scene. So, fuck it. Um, right, how do we fix it then? Right, we've picked it apart. It's shredded. Um, <laughs> we've, we've, a, a good old fashioned Scottish saying, we've torn it up for arse paper. Um, so. <laughs> Which basically means we've used it as toilet paper for those that aren't Scottish. Um, so wipe your ass with. Yeah, well, that's what we've done. Like, we've done that, right? This script is now in tatters. <laughs> um, how do you fix it though? What What do you do? Do you just simply do we lean into? Well, the original idea was to make this a remake. Now you know what the budget was like because you've just seen this movie. Is that ever? Like a possibility here with a budget so small, could we have ever done a remake? And if we couldn't have done that remake, what do you do? Is Not it what this. we've said before? Do we just like try and make it smaller in scale and just focus on doing something more village of the damn desk? Or how do you fix uh, it? Well, I, I think one of the things with Children of the Corn that made it uh, really kind of creepy to me was obviously the atmosphere. So yeah. you've got the creepy kids in your atmosphere. And a fucking cornfield. I'm and a cornfield. <laughs> right? No, that's what so I'm saying. I'm highly though. fucking offended so by in, this CGI fucking corn. I'm offended, Duncan. Embrace that. Embrace that. Exactly. Like, once you put, like Duncan said, once you embrace that stupid aspect of your movies, it's yeah. kind of no going back. Yeah. Uh, unless you reboot it again or whatever. Mm -hmm. I personally would just double down. Like, if they're going to just straight take the name of the franchise and do whatever the fuck they want with it okay i can think of a lot of a better ideas with with creepy kids and out in cornfields uh, in the middle of the night like, that's all you versus need. jason was a better children of the corn movie than that <laughs> right. he called him corn poke and then he twisted his fucking head back <laughs> yeah so the, i don't know there's so many like creepy setups that you could use just i mean simple setup with a fucking car breaking down again you don't even have to go to the extent of the town you can right, just the cursed grandmother yeah like like meet a kid that he's cool and then you try and help him and then you run into a couple more and those are his boys and then you realize it's they're really setup. creepy and then mm. they're trying to get out of there and then you realize there's a whole shit ton of them and I don't know, like, not even that that would be, like, the greatest movie ever, but it would be a shit ton better than this. Yeah, you get, you get, Mike, you've got Michael Ironside with two lines of dialogue. Michael Ironside is, right. the, yeah, like, he's the guy at the end who's controlling the cult. 
you know. Right. He's he's manipulating these kids. She gets a letter from her grandmother, um, crying out for help. They set up something on the road on the way there, um, waiting for our car. You know, our tires come out, our car breaks down. She's brought in there because they need to sacrifice her because there's been no harvest for. 20 years or something you know everything's dying and nothing's fruitful um and then they try they try and sacrifice her to he who walks beyond the road and um michael ironside's the the, the grand poobah here he's going to control everything something happens and she gets away and case closed you know what i mean i i, I think by by setting it in <laughs> as soon as you set it in the apartment as there's issues there's issues and then it never overcomes them i think it's a rod against your own back that you just are stuck with all the way through this movie. As well, we need to link it, but it constantly keep going back to this apartment, even though it's nothing. Ultimately, the whole story is like, and that's the that's a cop out thing. It's the total like this was built in an Indian burial ground. The final reveal is that the right. hotel was built <laughs> right. on top of the ground that was burned, and I'm like, are we in Fucking Gatlin? Shocker! But I'm like, are we in Gatlin? Because no one, it's not mentioned as. Gatlin, so and they said that the right. event happened in Gatlin, and then I don't know. It's just yeah, it's just it's all anything. Yeah. It's all fact. It's all fact. I don't know, like <laughs> it. Um, so I now know that we're all recommending this movie. <laughs> so no, um, you either have to recommend this movie or not recommend this movie, and pick a scene from it to represent your view. Lacey, I'm assuming you are not recommending this movie. What scene would you use if I was like that? I've got this Children of the Corn Revelations, you know, ready to roll tonight. Should I watch it? And you were like, hell no. What scene would you use to get me not to watch it? Oh, God. Um, <laughs> Where to begin? <laughs> I'm definitely not recommending it. Um, I mean, all I really have to say is CGI corn in a fucking complex. Yeah. Um, but if, like, the one scene that's, like, standing out to my mind is, like, the really annoying fucking dude that, like, got thrown off that was having a barbecue on the roof. Yeah. But uh, <laughs> the first time you meet this character, he just opens the door and he's just smoking a bunch of fucking pot. Yep. And like I was like, I cannot wait for this fuck to die. Yeah. If you ever show up to your front door just hitting a bong, like have you ever met anybody who, in real life that does that? Who does that? You're a ridiculous human being. Put the bong down, sir. Yeah, no, it's not only that he's, he's holding a bong plus like a like a container with like some short ribs and condiments. Like there's ketchup, <laughs> there's ketchup and mustard, as if he's going to serve you a hot dog at a baseball game. That makes it alright. He's like, but yeah, like just... barbecue on the roof, and I'm like, what? Wow. He gets thrown off the fucking building, and yep. then so... corn comes out of nowhere. The non-existent <laughs> corn comes out of nowhere and sucks this motherfucker into the corn. And I know what scene Dan is gonna say to not recommend. Oh, Dan, what scene? With the fucking bleeding. Yes. That went like no. Like, with movies like this, they're so bad that I tend to purposefully zone out. Mm. Like, I think I was staring at our Christmas tree at the time. <laughs> and there was a brief moment where I honed in onto this piece of shit. And yes, there was literally blood coming out of a corn stalk. Yep. And I said, wait a minute, are you fucking serious? Yep. I was like, this just, this just went 
fucking a whole other level up of stupidity. And, <laughs> and remind you of that toy movie that we watched with the RV or the RV movie with Denise Richards and he like stabs the walls of the RV. Oh, the ghost RV. Oh yeah. Movie? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Just stab it to death. That's what you got to do. Just stab <laughs> the literal fucking thing to death. Whether it be a Winnebago the RV bled or a fucking That's what it reminded corn me of. stalk. <laughs> Those movies are ridiculous. I would, I would, if you have a day to do anything in the world, I would recommend do not do this. Like, I I don't know what you like to do, whatever. The possibilities are endless, Mm. but here's a short list of things not to do. (laughs) Watch this movie. (laughs) Yeah, like, I'm I'm with you. I think, um, (laughs) I'd like, just everything. Uh, Like, every, or, the, the the stripper that's in the bath and then the kid comes in and like there's just this kid standing over her while she's naked and drops the the, the little corn kind of kernels in her bath and then she's fucked and I'm like does everything have to be co-? like remember when like the kids kill people with scythes which is kind of <laughs> yeah. field, it's field adjacent but it's also kind of it's, it's a gnarly weapon no 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 and this one it's death by corn all the time and not the way that i would like death by corn which is you know like playing life is peachy at full pill and you know moshing until my neck breaks um we don't have that no it's like actual corn kernels it's just all fucking wrong everything's pish right um corn life is peachy yes life is peachy that's right that's all that's like there you go every time i've went through this all this has made me think about is how much i enjoy (laughs) the band corn and why i hate this franchise um let's talk (laughs) let's talk grades uh so it's one through five one is hated it two is didn't like it three is liked it four is really liked it don't think we need to worry about that or five which is loved it uh lacy i'm interested to get your opinion here point fives are allowed by the way so what what would you give children of the corn revelation um, I like I said, I'm highly fucking offended. I'm from Iowa. I grew up. I grew up with fucking corn. Um, there is no real corn in a movie called Fucking Children of the Corn Revelations. Right. Like, how hard is it to at least like panoram a fucking drone shot of some goddamn real corn? Even like, popcorn. Like anything, no corn. Period. There's not even any fucking like, popcorn. This, like it's offensive. I can go outside and like recreate a movie with Dan by myself right now. There's and not even any chips. 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 Like I'll chips. go. I'll go fucking borrow my cousin Kenick and put him in the middle of a cornfield and take a photo, and that would be like more suffice than this yes. fucking movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Point fucking five, Duncan. Oh, yes, I am going to join you there. This is a 0.5. Hated it feels too nice for this movie. It feels too nice. I can't in good conscience ever give a fuck this movie zero to a movie that stars Michael Ironside, even though he's only in it for a couple of minutes. I can't do it. I won't do it. Not my watch, but I will give this a 0.5 burn in hell. Dan, I know you only watched 20 minutes, but do, do, you, want to, do you want to give us a grade or back I up? just, I, I just, I love your hate for it, both of you guys. Yeah. And I just, I, I join in your hate. So wherever you guys are at, 
Uh, I feel like this is uh, the player haters ball. So hate, hate, hate. <laughs> hate, hate, hate. I love it. Love it. The valley. The valley. I can't even talk anymore. Now, if you excuse me, I got to go put some water in Buck Nasty's mama's dish. I just want to go with Tulio in the valley of the shadow of death. <laughs> oh, I uh, I have enjoyed this immensely. This turned out a lot more fun. I genuinely, I genuinely thought we'd just be like, well, do you want to talk about this? No, really. Yeah, well, what we talk about? Nah, let's let's well, you know, let's just mumble. Uh, and it's turned out to be a lot of fun. And I knew it was going to because I have excellent people with me for this review. Lazy Lou, let the folks out there know where they can check out the podcast stuff that you're working on. Oh, um, yeah, you can find Dan and I both um, under the Cut to the Chase feed, um, wherever podcasts are found. All of our podcasts are under the Cut to the Chase feed. So, like, mm -hmm. some party massacre, they're here. Um, I started a new show called The Last 20, where we're discussing the last 20 minutes of a film, nice. um, whether it makes or breaks, and that's with Carly Rae, and um, then I have Skip to Lou, obviously, and we have tons of Cut to the or 12 Days of Chase Miss episodes coming, and you are on one of those shows, <laughs> yes. so Sorry. be sure to check those out. We, we may or may not be about to record that, so... <laughs> I'm, I'm very much, very much like I, I was, I was, uh, I was laughing a bit too hard watching this movie, like to the point where my, my wife started to worry that maybe there was something going on. <clears throat> and then I let her see the trailer because she'd never seen the movie before. And then I let her see the trailer and she just looked at me as if to say, what is wrong with you? And I was like, yeah, so, so, I mean, that's a fair question. That's a fair question and one I'm not prepared to answer today. So, um, <laughs> ain't gonna do it, right? Um, believe it or not, I have more of these movies to talk about, so we're gonna get to that. I'm sorry, it's okay. I like it only it gets slightly better from here, and then it gets worse. Um, so yeah, I'm gonna take a short break. When I return, I'm joined with, if my memory serves, I'm joined with Carly, uh, and we're gonna be discussing the inevitable. No, it's Gary actually, and it's Genesis before we talk about the inevitable Children of the Corn remake, which we will get to. And then we will conclude it all with the final Children of the Corn movies. It stands just now because there's one still to be released. That's right. There's a prequel which has been made. It has had one screening and it's currently shelved because of COVID. So, yeah. And I can see how excited we all are to check that out. Um, <laughs> can't wait right ladies and gents we're gonna take a short break you're gonna hear promos for shows that i love you're gonna hear the trailer and uh <laughs> we're gonna get into the next children of the corn movie with my guest coming right up right after this this is a test of the emergency podcasting system listen to the psychosemantic podcast politics movies and political movies Find us on Facebook, iTunes, Stitcher, LegionPodcasts.com, The Psychosemantic Podcast. Next town is 
Gatlin. It's about 10 miles. Stoplight's dead. Something's happening this time. Felt like somebody was watching me. Maybe someone was. We gotta get out of here! Time of judgment is now on hand. What do you want? We come to give you peace. And welcome back, ladies and gents. So we're continuing the journey on. So this was the inevitable reboot. You knew it was coming. You were sitting there thinking to yourself, how have we went this long in the series and no reboot? So this is technically, if you're looking at it on paper, this is the, what, this is the eighth one, I think, technically. Although ninth overall in terms of what we're discussing because we had that kind of short movie prequel thing way, way, way back in 83. So, yeah, we're, we're making it to TV now, straight to TV, uh, and directed by the Sci-Fi Channel, so you know that's a stamp of quality that you won't get anywhere else. The person who's joining me for this uh, had her name drawn out of the, the bowl, and I imagine was fist bumping the air thinking, yes, finally my time to shine on Children of the Corn 2009. That was unplanned rhyming, but that's how it happens in podcasting. Joining me is the phenomenal Carly. How are you doing? Yes, yeah, so I'm glad <laughs> to be here. Um, yeah, 2009, Children of the Corn. Um, you know, it's a masterpiece. It was really the top <laughs> one that I wanted to uh, to get out of all of these. So I was like, hell yes, this is going to be so much fun. <laughs> um, no, but... To be honest with you, I've only seen part one, two, three, mm -hmm. oh nine, and Genesis. And I think I saw that, what's it called? The, the short that you Oh, mentioned. yeah, D um, Disciples of the, the Crow, which I didn't mm -hmm. know about. Like, I panicked because obviously I booked everything out. And um, the one that I thought was out, so the 2019, 2021, which according to the internet is available, isn't actually available because COVID stopped it. I think it played uh, one cinema. So mm -hmm. I, I I was basically up a guest and down a movie, and then um, your buddy JP, who is partly partly responsible, I, I can't give him full responsibility for me doing this series, uh, because like I ultimately control the show. So, right, but yes. he did he did heavily recommend it, and um, yeah, he was like that. Oh, there's a short from '83 which I never knew anything about. Like so I did not know that existed until until sitting to do, do this, and actually on the scoring. It's scoring relatively high compared to most of the series, so and that's <laughs> that not because something. it's short. It's um, it's surprisingly dark. Uh, so like so, so you'd seen this one. Uh, you had seen this one before doing this run for this review, or this was the first time you've seen it. So it's a, a you know a, another tick off the the list. Um, the, I have seen this one before. I'm trying cool. to. Th I think I, I've seen it twice. I don't know. It used to be on TV quite a bit on mm. Sci-Fi, and um. I remember I used to watch bits and pieces, but I think I've 
sat down and watched it twice probably in my life like all the way through yeah. so yeah, yeah. yeah i have seen it before probably like a third time watch here um <laughs> and it's been a while since i've watched it a few years so mm -hmm. uh yeah i was curious to give it that other watch i just watched the um original not too long ago oh, nice. so i you know i had that fresh in my mind but yeah, and it was uh, it was interesting. <laughs> yeah, like there's a whole lot that I think the thing is I never really had any great nostalgia for Children of the Corn, even though I'm mm -hmm. of an age range that will remember it originally being on VHS. Like that's how I would have seen it. I would have seen it as a rental from the video store, and I, it was never one of those movies that you know got in my head or stuck with me or that I was walking around like quoting or anything like that. <laughs> And right. I think that's been the big revelation for me coming through. The ones that I enjoy are the ones that kind of embrace the goofiness of the story and the ones that are super serious are the ones I just can't really get behind. So, like, everyone was telling me, you, well, I say everyone, everyone in our chat was saying, part three, part three, and I had seen part three a few years ago and I remember being, like, okay with it this time round. I thought it was absolutely brilliant. I'd like I was two mm. seconds away from like like emailing the director and saying home run, buddy. Um, <laughs> like re like really 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 enjoyed it. But it's been it's been all over the place. And what's interesting about this one is this particular movie here um, is directed by one of the guys that produced the original, and his kind of justification out with the money he got paid, obviously, is that he felt that the the original was. Like it was too, too Hollywood, and it wasn't dark enough, and it didn't pay tribute to you know the, the King story and all this stuff that he's talking about, and like I read this before watching this, so I was like, let's do this, and um, this is maybe in parts goofier, like just like like wholly goofy in in places, and made me laugh in the ways that I probably shouldn't at a movie which has murdering children, um. Yeah, let's do this. So we do four questions here, Carly. Nice and easy, uh, but we will get your feelings on this movie by the end. Uh, so like I say, this is directed by Donald P. Botchers, um, who also did the screenplay, and he's adapted it from the Stephen King short story. Although this one probably more in line with an adaptation than all the sequels, which are like based on as opposed to adapted from. Um, cast here, um, mostly unknowns, but we've got Robert Gerdish, Jonathan Schmidt, David Anders, Candice McClure, Remington Jennings, Daniel Newman, uh, Presley Bailey, Austin Dreher, Dominic Plew, and some other folks. Most of these are kid, kid kill folk. So, um, synopsis for this one, though, is a familiar one. Uh, while travelling, an unhappy married couple encounter a cult of murderous children who worship an entity called He Who Walks Behind the Rose. So, um, yeah, so in, in terms of this one, very much like the short, this kind of plays into the fact that the couple don't like each other, which in the, and this is maybe where Borchers was, was kind of, maybe that's one of these bones of contention with the 84 version, is like Linda Hamilton and her man are very happy, you know, they're very much in love. Mm. And this one, these two characters fucking hate each other. Like from the opening scene of them, they absolutely this, why, which does make you wonder, why would you travel long distance, like across country, <laughs> in a car, a confined space, with someone you, you like, like clearly, just the, the fact that they are breathing beside you annoys you. So as, as a question, we'll get to Carly. Um, 
Right, question number one. What does Children of the Corn from 2009 do well? Well, I've never uh, actually read the short story of it, so I can't mm -hmm. really compare it too much. But I do, I respect that the, you know, director wanted to uh, be more true to the story. And um, I think, like, the couple not liking each other, like you said, I think that's... Um, a thing in the short story, so it must I, I be like because it's in the it's in the what do you call it the the short yeah yeah the actual yeah. short short the, like they they hate each other as well so it must be mm -hmm. in the 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 original source material mm -hmm. which is weird that the uh, if, if that is the case it's weird that the original movie does <laughs> it makes them super lovey dovey <laughs> to the point of where it's like really cheesy but so <laughs> um, very opposite I guess they thought that would work mm -hmm. better um, mm. but. Yeah, I respect that he tried to do that. Uh, I like the look of the film. Um, I, I didn't even realize that this movie is actually supposed to be set like in the 70s, I yeah. don't think. Um, <laughs> it's a really bizarre thing that you only, I think they only make reference to it once in the movie. And I was like, mm -hmm. oh, right. Oh, oh cool. Yeah, because what? <laughs> well, when they're getting gas, he's like, "When's the last time you saw it like this ridiculously low price?" And he's like, "The '60s." And I'm thinking, like, you were alive in the six. Then I realized, like, oh, it's 1975. I guess so. But um, well, neither so... one of them dress like, like neither one of them look like they're from like the kids. Mm -hmm. that they're kind of dressed of ye old timey, almost Amish sort of yeah. dress. But our two main characters are at no point. Like, when I was looking at him going, oh, right, authenticity. Like, she's wearing a dress that you could buy now. Mm -hmm. And he's wearing an outfit, which I, I suppose is probably timeless. The old plaid shirt with the T-shirt underneath it is maybe timeless. But I was still thinking to myself, mm, I don't know if they dress. <laughs> I don't know if they dress like that. I don't know. I'm, not, I'm old, but I'm not that old. So I wouldn't be able to tell you. But it, it did feel like an odd, we'll set this in the seventh. And I don't understand the need for that. Maybe to get around mobile phones and, and stuff potentially. Right, yeah. But, mm. Yeah, it kind of reminds, like, I always felt that way with the Texas Chainsaw remake, too. I never felt like they looked, um, yeah. like they were from that time period. But anyway, um, I like the look of the film. I, it reminds me of the original. I, I'm a sucker for the deserted town mm -hmm. setting. It's very creepy. And uh, I like how the, you know, girl's kind of freaking out. Like, oh, you can hear the nothingness. There's nothing here. Something's mm -hmm. very wrong here. Um and I like that it does try to play it a little darker all in all. Um, does that work? I, I don't know. <laughs> we'll get to that in a bit. But I like that there's an effort there to make it kind of dark. Um, and... Hmm. Gore. Yeah. I think that gore's all right. I'll give them that. Yeah. Like, yeah, like, I, I thought I'm very much like you would agree with that. I like there's an attempt, there's a... not doesn't fully work for me but it is more an insular entity that i think the the shots of the corn particularly are really well captured this time i do feel mm -hmm. like this has been shot in a giant cornfield where in other ones i just kind of feel like no effort's been put into that at all this time around felt it looked mm -hmm. pretty good um the town setting like even even the set design inside like when you get inside the church and it's all like corned up and um, even that looked cool like i thought like some of the once again some of the other prequels it looks like someone's thrown a couple of dead leaves around and maybe like an ear <laughs> right. of corn and oh this is it just doesn't work for me from so from that point of view i also think a bigger kid cast than i think is in the original and potentially any of the other like kind of sequels there's a like when he's doing his sermons when isaac's talking to the kids 
um, mm -hmm. in the centre of corn. There's a lot of people there. And that to me kind of make if you're going to continue your own child society, um, it kind of makes sense to have, you know, like a lot of them there. Otherwise, you're just going to die out or incest is going to happen real quick. Um, but the, <laughs> And it's more menacing that way, too, yeah, I think. Because in the I original, think, yeah. like you feel like these kids could actually get you in this yeah. version like when she's in the car there's just so many surrounding her so mm -hmm. yeah i do agree with that yeah. too age range as well i think is good because you you have a really good mix although this also led to un unintentionally one of the funniest things i've seen um like the, the age range of kids you have like right from tiny little kids right through er, you know early teenagers right up into what would be we would class as adult um so so that side of things kind of enjoyed that i thought like a good range of cast like stuff that kind of makes sense but obviously the big thing here and i actually would double down as i think this is a positive is they remove how the kids take over the town and the reason i would remove it and i quite like this version is there's something a bit spookier about like one like you never see the adults in this town really at all in this movie like we see the kids preaching like like running through their sermon and then we jump to them driving towards the town a few years later so we've removed all that you know they're in the diner all this stuff like we, we just and that's probably budgetary <laughs> it's probably to, to move the story along quicker but it's not an element that i missed like at all because i always felt the original one like the i i really like the idea of uh to me the scary ele element and i think you've touched on it is always the kids that's what, like, mm -hmm. so I don't want to see the kids take over the town. To me, it's much more scarier that we don't quite know what's happened. Oh, look, there's the man in blue, and he's mummified now. So I can only imagine what happened to all the adults in the town. And that, in a lot of respects, to me, works better than a scene of the kids killing the adults at the beginning. There's an escalation that we get to go through where we finally see, like, a bit of death, although we don't see much. A lot of it's kind of off camera. So I, I like that as a choice out with that um i mean it reuses the original score can maybe give yeah, it yeah. a tick for mm -hmm. that but that's you know i don't know how much credit we can give a movie for reusing something that was written for another movie <laughs> so um let's pivot this then let's let's see because we've got some positives uh, i've noticed that none of those positives are on the acting yet um so that could be fun uh what does children of the corn 2009 maybe, maybe not do well um, you know, I think with the the children, for one thing, I don't, like, while you were right, you had a good point that there's a lot of them, I don't mm -hmm. think they, they just feel like background characters, and they look like innocent little kids, and yeah. they're not that scary. Um, <laughs> Isaac and Malachi kind of look like the great value version of the <laughs> originals, especially Malachi. Um, Malachi's you know, a bit too hunky for a movie like this. You know what I mean? Like yeah, he's, he kind yeah. of, it's kind of like his headshot's been passed out and he's been really trying to get like I don't know, like like maybe like backup dancer and <laughs> Magic Mike Four or something, and mm -hmm. he somehow ended up in this movie and he's not quite sure why. Right, right. You know what I mean? He's like because like the the thing about Malachi in the original one is right. No offense to the actor, and I know he looks different now. That's an mm -hmm. ugly looking kid. Right. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? That is an ugly, ugly looking brutish kid who I imagine a lot of people follow, right? Because look at him. He looks like a bully. This mm -hmm. guy kind of looks like. I don't know. Malachi toes the line a lot in this movie compared to. And I, once again, I imagine that's probably in the source material, but that conflict's removed. And Isaac, can we talk about Isaac? Like, yeah. 
I said, now, okay, to be fair, like, John Franklin, he was, like, in a 26-year-old playing yep. a kid, and that's creepy in itself, so it's hard to kind of <laughs> outdo that when you, 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 you pretty much have to cast a real kid for this part, but yeah. I shouldn't think Isaac's cute, and also, he's, like, he's not that good of a child at, like, he's not very, no. uh, I'm not gonna follow this kid. He <laughs> like, looks like he should be, he should be selling you, like, toilet paper or something in an advert. <laughs> You know, like something right, like yeah. something wholesome and inoffensive, and he's also I, I imagine I'd love to see what he looks like now. He's maybe about five or six years into growing into his two front teeth. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? They're, <laughs> they're 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 adult front teeth, right? But they're big adult front teeth, and his head is small. Um, so mm-hmm. like, so he's gonna grow into them, and it's he's too. Like, at no point did I ever feel like you're right. Like the the beauty of the original. Isaac is it's an adult that's playing him. So he has all the menace and all the gravitas of an adult. It's kind of creepy mm. and off-putting because you're looking at him going, uh, there's something not quite right about this little kid. And this one here, he does kind of look like, you know, like like he has night terrors and maybe, you know, like he, <laughs> he would settle down money. if you give yeah. him a, yeah, a glass of warm milk. Might You know, it might break out of all this demon worship and stuff if someone you know gave him a cookie and a glass of milk you know what i mean it's, it's like it's it's just he's it's like they went the other way like to get the most kind of wholesome kid i'll give him this he's i don't know how old he was when he was making it the lines of what he's spouting scripture wise i mean i don't know if i'd be able to memorize them and he does a great job mm-hmm. of delivering that dialogue but it's all a bit too bit too quaint if you know what i mean so it's, it's all a bit too He's too nice a character looking and even in his delivery. Like even when he's like, Yeah, Malachi, you're you're an unbeliever and I'm like uh, <laughs> Can we run that again? Like can we, yeah. put, <laughs> can we put, put some more that? emphasis in that? Like <laughs> pretend he pretend he ripped the head off your favourite bunny toy. Um yeah. now go. Um so yeah, the, like the kids none of them really stand out like at all. And the best to get to making Malachi stand out is by dressing them all in black, and even then, like there's a there's a scene of I, I was a bit maybe you can clear this up for me. It's like, like a scene of absolute confusion for me where Malachi goes to assemble the crew so they can go and kill the woman, and he goes to get his knife, which is maybe being sharpened, I don't know, but he goes to get his knife, and then they walk round to the car, and he's he's covered in blood, and I'm like, where did like unless I blinked and missed this. I, hmm. I I can't remember, unless he just maybe killed an animal. Or, I don't know, but it, it felt like a weird edit to me because he comes around the corner and he's clearly got blood in his face and he walks towards the car all menacing like, and I didn't see him. He was he was clearly clean before that. <laughs> so, yeah, I I don't I mean? remember that. Yeah, I don't think I don't think you see him slaughter anything. Yeah. So. I feel like that was almost for dramatic effect. Yeah, like, oh, yeah. He's like, covered in blood. Yeah, like, but you, like, you can get, you, the thing is, like, even if you don't show it, you can get around that. You know, like, um, Malachi, I had to go and get my knife, you know, you know, uh, yeah. slaughter a pig or something. Anything at all. <laughs> but there's just no, like, no attention to that at all. It's just like, mm-hmm. he, he just comes around the corner looking like, I don't know, he's like massacred a family and now he's getting ready to kill this woman. Um, that's, like, there's some weird continuity things there i also feel and we're gonna to have to talk about this who are you rooting for in this movie that that is that was going to be my next yeah thing because you know back to what i said it's like okay it's true to the book but mm. the 
they make those two characters so unlikable because it's so <laughs> over the top the way they're arguing and um just every little thing that the dude says she has like something mean oh, yeah. to say back oh, yeah. and then then he ends up becoming unlikable in himself too it's just and I just don't care. The movie ends up kind of falling flat for me by the time they get there and all the trouble starts happening and then he's just running through a cornfield the rest of the film. And it's yeah. like, I, I just, I don't care about them. Um, <laughs> I think the original got it right by making those two likable and yeah. making them compassionate and sweet. Um, making it Hollywood. Yeah, Hollywood. That's essentially, yeah. that's essentially what, that's the Hollywood element I imagine he's moaning about is that it has a, happy ending of sorts and the main couple Ari they feel like how Hollywood would write uh you know a couple that were engaged or a couple that were in love traveling cross country but mostly because of that like you can't root for you cannot root for like everything about them and they're petty towards each other and there is a point where he says something like I will just talk like it's when just before he knocks over the kid He's like, ah, we can just turn around and go back and go to that person that you want to see and get those papers signed. And I'm like, yes, that is the healthy thing to do right now. Like, the healthy thing to do is whatever you have right now, get it finished, divorced, annulled, yeah. whatever. Like, just like, like, let's not go on a car journey together. Why we're waiting this long into the car journey for this to come up is worrying. Um, it's just like, I can't, I don't like watching movies that I struggle to find any reason for anyone to be alive at the end of it. And that is kind of where I am at the end of this movie. The kids, kids are just doing what the kids are doing in the movie. At no point mm. am I supportive of what they're doing. But my heroes, like I under, right, look, let's talk about it. I understand, right, that they're trying to kill him, right? But mm. there, there is a scene where he's in, he's in the corn, I, I was laughing for about 10 minutes. There's a scene in the corn where this little kid has a knife and he points it at the main dude who we're gonna have to stress here maybe he was in vietnam or korea all we know is he fought in the jungle that's literally what he says he, he survived in the jungle and for the time period that's either v the vietnam war or the korean war um mm -hmm. so like so he's got this little kid and when i say little kid the kid's maybe five and he's holding on with this flick knife thing and we see this much bigger guy much bigger kid maybe 17 18 running towards him with a weapon and he manages to parry out the way and then use the kid's knife while still making sure the kid's hand's on it to stab his friend in the stomach, <laughs> which puts this guy down. And then I was like, all oh, right, he's going to let the kid go. No, Steven Seagal snaps his neck, like full on <laughs> snaps his five-year-old's neck. And I was watching it going, oh, what the fuck did I just watch? Because in the previous scene where he's, fight with him uh, out in the street after he thinks that they've because they never explain how the girl isn't in the car mm -hmm. like she's just in the corn and he blows up the car we never find out that until the end but it was still don't even get it explained but he's in the alleyway and uh, Isaac throws a knife and I think we're to assume that he has like supernatural powers because that little kid ain't throwing a flick knife from a building <laughs> other side of the street down an alleyway and into this guy's arm but he does it anyway and then, like, our, our hero, quote-unquote, um, <laughs> as played by David Anders here, is like, right, fine, let's do this then. You want to take me on? And then there's two kids behind him. Snaps one of the kid's arms at the elbow, and that apparently kills that kid. Then gets the other kid, takes his knife off him, 
and then stabs at his throat beside him and drops it down and then basically says, who else wants a, who else wants a try? And I'm like, mm -hmm. what are we watching? <laughs> like, <laughs> it, it feels like it becomes like a PTSD story of this guy <laughs> thinking he's back in the war. Like, I feel like that's what it, it all becomes his big, like, oh, yeah. This is what I've been wanting. I've been craving killing people, but they're like five-year-olds. So it's yeah. it plays out very, uh, I guess, dark. So you do have that. It is, but... it is, it is dark, but is, 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 is it good, though? Like, you know, right. like, see what you just described to me there sounds better, like an idea of PTSD, an idea of a guy actually physically having a break, and then when he's looking at the kids, maybe they're replaced by Viet Cong mm -hmm. or something, you know, where he, he, like we can see the mental snap here. To, to be honest, he's, he's, um, his girlfriend, who clearly he doesn't love, is missing from the car, right? And he asks once where she is, and then he could not give a fuck after that, and then he starts murdering kids. That's yeah. the story I see. Like, the story mm -hmm. I see in this movie is of a man, like, like I was going to say needlessly. I would say he, for a guy who's trained the way he is, he could disarm these kids without killing them. He could, you could disarm a five-year-old <laughs> without snapping his neck. <laughs> this movie's like, no, the neck must snap. Um, it was just a bit, a bit full on. And then the ending, I suppose that's the other thing here. So this goes for the darker ending. Like mm -hmm. Once again, we can only assume that's how the original ending is. Otherwise, it's a weird choice to do that if you're rebelling against the Hollywood ending going with the book ending. Um, the end of this kind of sets up the... And we saw it in some of the other ones, which makes me think it must be a detail here of when you're... you know, As soon as you turn 18... You have to sacrifice yourself to he who walks uh, behind the rose. Um, and that, that's the kind of end thing. But the insinuation here is that that entity has killed the dude at the end because no one else could do it. And he's ended up the same way as the chick and the, the dude in blue or whatever, uh, the cop guy, um, as a kind of scarecrow in the field. Uh, with stuff coming out his eyes and all the rest, and I, 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 once again, I don't, I don't dislike a gnarly ending. I actually really like endings which are like, like maybe it isn't happy, like and like I see neither one of these characters is nice. So the fact they both die, I didn't move my morality barometer one way or the other. I was kind of like, all right, that's fine. Um, but the ending does kind of feel like a bit of a cop out. Like, we kill a couple of kids, he's going to continue running lost in some ears of corn, and then he's going to look up at a CGI effect, and then the next <laughs> thing... Like, you don't physically... Out with the kid killing, you don't physically see any adults die in this. You just see the mm. after effect, which is weird. Mm. I would have thought it'd be easier to do the other way. <laughs> like, I just thought it'd be easier to kill the adults on screen than it would be to kill the kids. Yeah, that's a good point. It's just, <laughs> it's like a whole slaughter of children. Yeah. And then the adults, you don't see anything. And then I like how you said he looks up at some CGI. Like, it's literally what he it, does. Like the clouds, there's this kind of like gray mass above him. He looks it's up. It's like the original, like it, yep. it, they didn't really evolve. And then that part where the his wife or whatever comes back to, not back to life, but you know, he like yep. envisions her talking to him. It's like... Uh, that looks so bad. And then, yeah, it's just, I, uh, I don't know. I don't look like, to me, I, I've said, I think my big issue overall with the series is I kind of like the idea of the entity not being supernatural. 
and just being mm-hmm. fanatical. Like the idea of a, a crazy killer cult of kids that are devoutly believing in something, whether it's there or not, is terrifying. <laughs> like so, like just like stick stick with that. You know what I mean? Like like have a like have a scene later on where or have a, scene, a kind of post credit scene or something where it shows that like Isaac convinced two of his followers to murder this guy and you know put him on the cross because there isn't anything there. And it's to like he's now instituted a new a new rule for this eighteen year old thing because it allows him to remove those that were threatening him, which is essentially what the first movie does. It's the kind of big thing about um, Malachi and Isaac is yeah, part of it's about true believing, but you know I don't think Isaac actually believes what he's saying until he's possessed, and you know Malachi uh, understands that he's a lot stronger. <laughs> so in his point mm-hmm. of view like brawn should rule and that's i mean you know game respects game i understand that right that's like as an adult you think that like you like well i'm old the oldest person should rule because why because he's the oldest not because he's necessarily the wisest it's because he's the oldest um mm-hmm. so i, I kind of like I, I always liked those concepts but as soon as you started doing cgi clouds or things moving under the ground like tremors um that's when I was always kind of confused because uh, Central Core is very is very much like the Wicker Man. It's like this idea of like believe it or not, people worship stuff that there's no way to prove it exists. There's no signs or anything, and their devout passion to following something um, can be something to admire. It's also to, something you can be incredibly scared of, and that to me is this, that's the horror element of these. So I kind of felt like, once again, he's he's sticking true to the book, and Stephen King struggles to finish things. We know that, um, right? It does kind of. I, I don't know. I don't know where I thought it was going, and I was, I was glad that it didn't give me the remade, uh, the kind of remade original ending, because the idea of these two staying married, and now in charge of two kids. I don't. Yeah. <laughs> is terrifying. Like that's a household you do not want to grow up in. But <laughs> at the, at the same time. I don't know. I I can't say I like the ending of this one, and then we get a little proverb at the end, and I was like, "All right, <laughs> all right." <laughs> I did, I, I kind of like that the uh, the uh, quote at the end or the yeah. uh, Bible verse at the end yep. that kind of gave me chills. But... Yeah, like the Bible is yeah. a scary book. It's full of things. <laughs> it is. <laughs> it's, yeah. it's, it's full of things that sound sinister as fuck. Um, mm-hmm. So yeah. Uh, right. Well, well, let's let's pivot this in, Carly. Let's see you were allowed to remake Children of the Corn for TV um, with a sci-fi budget. We've got to put that in there. So I'm not giving you, like, all the money <laughs> in the world to make it. Darn. Yeah, sorry. Um, is there anything you can think of, just off the top of your head, that could you could use to improve this movie then over the stuff that you've said that maybe doesn't work? Uh, is it better I mean... kid actors, do you think? Is that, like, could that be the first start? Like, actually make the kid actors themselves a bit more menacing? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that would be a good thing. Uh, have better casting with the kids, not yep. just have a bunch of, uh, for one, background extras that look like they probably are the children of the producers <laughs> and stuff like that, and they're just happy to be there. Um, so you get out of a nanny. You bring them on set, dress them up, <laughs> tell them to sit in the back and don't say anything. <laughs> that actually is a genius idea if you were a parent, I guess. But um, yeah, definitely change that up as well as obviously Malachi and... Uh, Isaac that's a that's a huge thing and um 
turn well take out the cg clouds like you don't need that that's just like extra budget you don't need to spend mm -hmm. on clouds moving in um and honestly just change up the dialogue of the characters make yeah. them a little bit like make them have like i would have liked it better if it felt like there was a point where they're like you know what i do love you like we can put these differences aside but by the end i don't like he sees her dead and i'm like i don't care because you probably don't care either mm -hmm. and so change that up and then just make it like i said he i feel like there's so much of him just kind of lost in the corn and kind of like talking to himself and then it, you know he breaks a few necks whatever but it, <laughs> it gets really boring for me um during that part i in the original i feel like there's just more going on and mm -hmm. in this one i think it kind of slogs once uh, they start getting attacked and once he winds up in that corn so i would you know just try to i guess make it a little bit more like what the original does i'm kind of like you i'm not a diehard fan of children of the corn i don't have yeah. a lot of nostalgia but i do think the first movie is good stuff it's just not one that i rewatch a lot but yeah i would just change up the story and add a little bit more going on i think if i was the uh you know lucky yeah. director yeah. to make <laughs> this flick for sci-fi yeah i think i think to be honest i think you like what you're saying just now makes it a better movie I think it's always going to be flawed because the story itself feels like it's in part a really cool idea, in part a Stephen King goofy idea. And I think that you have to balance those and there's no way to really fix it from that point of view unless you go out your way to change it. And it depends which way you change it. Like the original changes it by making it likeable characters and giving it a, a kind of Hollywood happy ending. Whereas this movie sticks true to it but as a result of that it's an hour and 20 minutes of not nice characters relatively bland kid actors and like like questionable violence on screen um and I, I get to the end of it and i don't feel like if the goal of this movie was to revisit it to make a better version and get the messaging across or like make a better version to make stephen king proud i don't know if it succeeds in that it still feels very much like a TV movie that comes with a lot of the baggage that that comes with specifically in 2009 in the sci-fi channel. So, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I would I would just remove all that supernatural stuff. And that's been my message pretty much all the way through, apart from part three. Part three has the best supernatural. Part three is just <laughs> basically a Hellraiser sequel, and I love it for that. Absolutely love it for that. Um, right. So we're, we're kind of... Th this will be interesting because we've said some positives, we've said some negatives. Ultimately, you have to pick a position here, Carly. You either recommend this movie or you don't recommend this movie. If I had never seen Children of the Corn 2009 before and I said to you, Carly, I know you've seen this one. Do you recommend it? Is it a yes or is it a no? And what scene from the movie would you use to justify that stance? Uh, yeah, I would have to say no, I do not recommend this movie. I think it it just falls flat as a remake. Uh, kind of like you said, it's yeah. like you're trying to remake it to improve the original, but you didn't. It's a shame that it it was a made-for-TV sci-fi film. I'm sure mm -hmm. if there was more, if it was, I guess, more Hollywood and more it got like a big theatrical release and stuff, you could have maybe done a little better with it. But no, I don't recommend it. Um, and I'm trying to think scene that I, I think probably just the whole climax of the film yeah, it doesn't yeah. really leave you once the credits rolled I was kind of shocked because I remembered 
how it ended. Like I knew it was a dark ending and then when really gets out alive type of deal, but I didn't remember exactly how it all played out. And mm -hmm. once the credits rolled, I was pretty much like, wow, that, that's it. Like you didn't even see, you didn't see any adult style, like you said. Yeah. Um, so <laughs> yeah, I think the whole climax, you're kind of watching the film and then it doesn't really deliver anything and just really falls flat. So now yeah. if you've never seen it, I don't think you have to, it's forgettable. I'm 100% with you. I would not recommend this movie and I would double down exactly what you're saying here. It builds to what you think is going to be an epic showdown, which it does off screen, which to me is a cardinal sin in any horror movie. Like your end of your movie is where you spend your money and you show people what you're supposed to see. And the, the closest it gets to that is like you said before, it's the woman, uh, you know, as a scarecrow speaking to him. That's your payoff. So no, this is a hard no on the recommend from me. Uh, Carly, you know we do Netflix grades here. One through five. One is hated it. Two is didn't like it. Three is liked it. Four is really liked it. Five is loved it. Uh, I'll be honest, uh, it's not the worst one I've seen. There's a couple of things in here, specifically cinematography, that I thought was pr pretty cool. The kid violence did make me laugh, so it's at least entertaining <laughs> on that part. Um, but, I, you know, I can't say that I like this movie. Um... I'm, I'm weirdly going to give this a two. I thought I was, like, originally when it finished, I thought I was going to give it, like, a one. I hated it, but I don't hate it. I'd, like, hate such a strong word. I just would never recommend it, and I'm never going to watch it again. So, and I have given some of these entries lower than a two, and I think that feels right. I preferred this one over those. So two is what I'm coming in with, with I didn't like it. What are you going to give it? Um... Yeah, I'd probably be right there with you. I think I would um, throw it a two, maybe if I'm generous, a two and a half. Mm -hmm. But yeah, it's, um, I did not hate it. It's watchable for sure, but it's not one that I'm going to revisit unless I have to do it for a podcast again or something. <laughs> so, or I just feel like watching the whole Children of the Corn franchise. Yeah. But yeah, so two, two sounds about right. Nice, thank you very much. You're a busy enough person with podcast output. Let the listeners out there know where they can check your voice. All right. Um, yeah, so you can check me out on His and Hers movie podcast that I do with JP. Uh, we were on Dark Discussions, and we recently went independent, mm -hmm. so you can now find that on Anchor. Um, and we've kind of, become, we keep joking that we're the here and there podcast, because we last year we had a good stream of putting out an episode every week we were doing very well but this year we just a lot of stuff has happened and yeah. we've become very busy with our work schedule so uh it's kind of just every once in a while but we, i think we plan to record another episode this week um not too sure what we're going to do but anyway you can change like i said check that out on anchor anywhere you get podcasts you can find it and then i also have the slumber party massacre podcast that i do with Five other girls, uh, being mm -hmm. Lacey, Lacey Lou, Nikki, uh, her sister Nikki, um, Heather Powell, and Rebecca Reinhardt. And yeah, that is. Did I name all the girls? Did I just. Yeah, I think I so. I think so. Okay. I'm literally. <laughs> I like forget. I forget. Who, uh, this is why I solo podcast, Carly, because yeah. trying to remember <laughs> a huge list of names is like at my age as well, it gets very difficult. So, yeah, I have Alzheimer's, I think. Um, <laughs> yeah, I think I said five of the, the, the there's five of us anyway, but yeah, that again, you can find that on Anchor, and mm -hmm. I believe that's under the uh Cut to the Chase banner now. Um, Lacey <laughs> does all the editing and stuff on there and does a good job, and uh, it's a lot of fun, so I definitely recommend that. That's a monthly podcast. 
And other than that, that's actually pretty much it for me. I've kind of slowed down with podcasting. I oddly enough have another guest spot that I'm doing tonight with uh, Derek and Gary, but that's uh, that's it for now. Nice. Well, thank you very much for joining me. I am going to continue this journey on. The next stop is uh, the movie that you mentioned that you'd also seen as well, which is Genesis, which I also have not seen at the point of this recording. So we'll see how I get on. I can only imagine they get better from here. So that's how franchises go, isn't it? This late in the day, they get yeah. much better. Yeah, we're fine. We're fine here. Um, I'm going to take a short break. When I come back, I'll have a new guest host after the trailer for Children of the Corn Genesis. Coming right up right after this. Did you ever see a film at such a young age it left you traumatized with cinematic wounds? Ah, necrophilia. Ah, ah, ah. It's a dead issue, man. Don't, don't push it. Cinema PsyOps is a weekly podcast documenting an ongoing experiment on the mind of an unwilling test subject. No one should have to watch this movie. Oh, no one should have to watch this. No one should have to watch this movie. Surprisingly, it's not a topic that a lot of people really want to tackle. I'm shocked, prudes. I know, really. Right? It's the next sexual frontier that no one wants to explore. I am, in the most sincerest of senses, disappointed in you. It takes a powerful goddess like Connie, jam her arm down the monster's throat and kill it. I'm still tripping out over that. Even as a kid, I was like, I gotta find a girl like that. Every week, I, I get a new look of disappointment that I never thought I could get it's out of. Unimaginable. At 12 years old, you should not be watching this one. Obviously. At 13, you should not be. 14, you shouldn't be. I'm not entirely sure even 17 year olds should be watching this. Just because you're offended by something doesn't mean that you have the right to demand that it doesn't exist. Watching this film again, I had all of this like little nerd glee with everything that kept little history doll yeah, popping up absolutely. at you. So I totally loved this film. Hey, I know why you you know, couldn't see that. It's because your brain's warped watching this shit at 12 years old. Yeah, this is this is a rough movie. I told you ahead of time when we were getting ready to do it that it was. How did you watch movie. this shit at 12? Because physical wounds heal, cinematic ones don't. Listen to Cinema Psyops. I'm so hot. And not in a good way. It shouldn't be much longer. Hi, um, we both know you have a phone. No, you want me to think it's a kid that's simply doing all this. You saw the tape. I don't know what I saw. He who walks behind the rose. We don't even know what to watch for. Everything. Try and stop us. Someone in this house is psychokinetic, like off the charts. Over here! Hello! Look over here! Every single adult in Gatlin was slaughtered by children. Oh my god, Tim, look out! Welcome back, ladies and gents. So we are continuing on here. Oh, my God. Um, yeah, this is uh, Children of the Corn Genesis from 2011. Uh, joining me for this review is the man who luckily had his name plucked from the bowl. I say luckily. We'll find out if that was the case in a second. Is my good buddy, Gary Hill. How's it going? 
hey, uh, yeah, I'm here, and I, I, I goaded you into doing this. Uh, yeah. you, for, for, you for and months GP, and months now. Yeah, you and GP, the two yees, are responsible huh? for this entire venture, and I just want to query this right now. Had you seen them all? <laughs> no, I, 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 I probably saw, like, one through six. Oh, like right. the most and like the other ones were like littered littered in like a, like maybe I like saw like one here and one there but Got you. I was watching um them along with you to to, to a point to, to, to um yeah you went back I through them all which Iron... is dedication to the cause here <laughs> well well I watched the one with Ironside yeah I got to there and the sound went out halfway through which, which told me that there was a sign from he who walks behind the rose to not watch it anymore. <laughs> it didn't get any better. It's it's, it's um that, that's the one I recorded with uh, Lacey earlier today, and it's it's bad. It's a bad fucking movie. So um, yeah, you probably that was that was a, a a sign that you should definitely take and never revisit said movie. It doesn't get any better either. So. Um, so, oh man, we get to talk about this movie here. Like the Children of the Corn franchise is the weirdest casting. Like overall, like some weird faces pop up, and this movie's no exception because in this one we have uh, our buddy Billy Drago or Drago, depending on how you pronounce it. He shows up. So, yay! And uh, how? And how? Um, I'm not entirely sure he commits to the accent at all because it changes no. every fucking scene. <laughs> and then, uh, and the Duncan finds characters that are lookalikes. The main woman in this one, Ali, played by an actress called uh, Kellen Coleman, uh, looks like a kind of a dollar bin uh, Katie Featherstone from uh, Paranormal Activity. She looks like the yeah, yeah. Part. You're not yeah. wrong. It's been, it's been <laughs> a long time since I watched those movies, but you're not wrong. That's what she looks like. Uh, right, let's give some details about this one, and then we get to the fun bit. Uh, <laughs> this one is directed by Joel Susson, I think is how you pronounce that. Who, I mean, this guy has a, pro a producing list longer than my penis, um, but has a. Uh, one could see a history in the the the, the world of sequels to movies that didn't need franchises including uncredited on maniac cop 3 badge of silence we all remember that movie um he did he did the prophecy uprising and forsaken he did pulse 2 and 3 and then children of the corn genesis before really kind of going off and doing he's still working he has a movie out this year called my best worst adventure which looks awful um and although it has good it has a really good IMDb rating, which makes me confused here. Uh, let me see, let me see. No, there's no information on it. That's fake, fake. Um, so he he's the guy that's directed it. The the cast uh, has uh, Gigi Baneneke, uh, Diane Peterson, Kai Caster, uh, Kaelin Coleman, Tim Rock, Billy Drago. Uh, Barbara, you've got a really long name that I can't pronounce, Dwayne Whitaker, and some other folks. Um, synopsis for this one. Let's do this, Gary. Let's get this one. It's uh, short, at least. Uh, a young couple try to free an imprisoned child with catastrophic results. Okay. I mean, that 
that'll do, I suppose. <laughs> um, Gary, you know over here we do four questions. Let me ask you the first question. What does Children of the Corn Genesis do well? Well, I, I'll say this. It doesn't really stick to landing with this because <laughs> I need more children of my Children of the Corn movie. Um, <laughs> the, the opening of this film... The opening of the film is a banger, I I think, and it really should it really sets something up that that doesn't happen. Yeah. Because you you got this soldier coming home, you know, for, from the war, you know, right in in, in time for the the child uprising of Gatlin, Nebraska. Mm -hmm. You know, comes home to his 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 mother and father. Well, at least his mother. You see the mother, I think, being murdered. He's been murdered and. He's going into soldier mode, and the, the, the kids inevitably kill him too. But it, you, you would hope that this goes somewhere. Well, but no, no, the doesn't kids, really the go kids, anywhere. The, the kids kill, but don't kill him. That's the thing. The kid oh, is uh, uh, Billy Drago. Is he? Oh, okay. He's supposed to be Billy. I yeah, like, it's so poorly explained. <laughs> it is so poorly explained because I was confused. I had to do a bit of digging around. Um, he is like so they kill him. And then you get that one cut scene of him opening his eyes on like a white background, and then we jump to present day. And I originally thought that's a weird choice to do that, um, but I mean by this point anything's possible in a children of the corn thing. And um, it's not until he talks about there's a, a small bit of dialogue, and it's a, a blink and you miss it bit of dialogue where he talks about returning. Uh, by back the way, to I'm from Gat I'm from Gatlin, Nebraska. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> It's like I killed Sean Connery yep. in the Untouchables. Um <laughs> Man. Yeah, I'll I'll say one thing though, you know, with these children of the corn films, I also I'll say them with the exception of like the second and third one, which didn't really need those character actors because they stood pretty well on their own in my yeah. opinion. Um they get these genre actors in these movies. They do. In, in this they case really Billy Drago. Do. <laughs> they really, really do. Probably better than any in, in other for... franchise I can think of, Gary. This has mm -hmm. like a litany right through the entire season so you know with, with the except when and with the addition for a small small time but he's good when he's in it with, with Dwayne Whitaker and they take these donkeys of scripts and they 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 elevate them to something yeah. better than they should be yeah you're right because Billy I'm sorry because Billy um Billy Drago you know much like David Carradine I think in the fifth one yep it's just devour, just devouring the scenery in, in the, the, this, these movies, and it's it's not a bad thing, you know. When you're you're you got a pretty dull plot about this couple who breaks down in, in you know bumfuck desert city California, mm -hmm. you know, only to find the, these people that have a um that have a phone, but say they don't have a phone, so naturally they're they're up to some shit and. Especially horny, horny mail order wife doing stuff to, to to the guy, and you find out why she's especially horny, and you find out this plot about this kid in the barn, and how the kid, you know, may or may not be the Antichrist. Who who knows? And you find out later that you know what y'all fucked up, mm -hmm. you know, and uh, <coughs> which is a pretty again. Yeah, there's a couple good scenes in here, and. And I'll give them that, that, you know, once once you get to the good stuff, which you realize is going on, I, I, I think it's it's not worthy, but they've done worse in this franchise. Than, they than have 100% done worse. You are more forgiving of some of this than I am. 
I think you hit the nail on the head at the start here. I think my one of my biggest issues on this one is there is a kid in this, but that kid is right at the vet. Well, there's a there's a kid at the beginning. <laughs> like the kid that murders the parents is for some reason dressed up like a mini Marilyn Manson. You know what I mean? With the black mm -hmm. wig and the the makeup. It doesn't make any sense. But then you don't get a kid to... It's, it's like three quarters of the way through the movie. And it, it doesn't, like... The problem with this movie, like a lot of the other ones, is it appears to be... This is a theory I've been running for a while. It appears to be that kind of dimension thing of we're going to lose the rights unless we make a movie. So we'll do the Hellraiser thing mm -hmm. about taking a script and making it a Children of the Corn movie. So... And that's kind of what they do here. Like this feels like a like a script that started off as a, a stranded couple ends up at a like very much like that movie Honeydew that came out this year. Like it, like a, a couple that gets stranded, they end up at a you know this couple's house. It gets kind of creepy. They're maybe up to something. They maybe kidnap someone in the barn, and they're trying to get help. And this gets morphed into a Children of the Corn movie. Um, I mean and that's like that's his, his biggest issue is it doesn't feel like like at the moment I'm and someone could argue and I would agree to an extent what actually is a children of the corn movie because none of them out with maybe the first two like kind of really link something towards a, a kind of centralized theme and from part three onwards they really are morphing it the problem is part three is the only one I think at the entire franchise that seems to get the memo that it's a kind of goofy story so you might as well just go yeah. full in with the goofiness and I kind of love it because it's the only one I can say hand on heart I've really enjoyed um, by the time I get to Genesis they all feel like one-off stories like kind of standalone stories which is fine in itself yeah, oh yeah. but this one not the worst by but it isn't the worst it isn't the worst because the worst is the, the one that the sound cut out for you um this one, I think, my my biggest issue with watching it was just how not like a Children of the Corn movie it felt. Like overall, like the we, the words are getting oh, mentioned, yeah. but all the stuff that you would associate with it isn't there until the kid with supernatural powers comes along at the end. And then I was like, when was this ever? Like, is he, like, we don't explain it. Does he who walks behind it, is he occupying this kid? Is he born through the kid? If so, why do we need another kid? Uh, you know, all that stuff. It's just, it doesn't, the movie doesn't care about it, so I don't care about it. Um, and that, you know, it becomes difficult it's, to watch. It's modern days. It's, yeah. It's modern days, so it's not like you can say, hey, he came, he began, to, he walks behind the rose. You yeah. can say, like, he's, like, the new uprising of he who walks behind the rose. Yeah. The, the end the end goal of this movie is to the, for them to to because I guess happenstance said because Billy Drago again the 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 gold star of this movie if there's yes. a reason to watch it it's because he's doing what he does so well yeah yeah he's, he's doing he's, it he's, in this, he's, this, he's, this, well, this turd of a movie he's chewing up the scenery he's talking very 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 slow like every sentence is like taking something out of him. Um, but I, and it, yeah, it's his funny. plot is to replace his his. Oh God, I'm sorry. No, no, no. Finish your finish your thought. No, I said his plot. You know, his his very foolhardy plot. Because apparently he's clairvoyant too. Because he can see, he can see that she had an abortion and not a miscarriage. Yeah. You know, so that just proves that he, he him not knowing something that that he shouldn't know. You know, he knew it. 
it proves that possibly he he felt some kind of prophecy going that this couple was going to break down and that she was going to be the new mother to these children because the children come up to play at the very end of the movie you know yeah. and like yeah you, you got a new mommy because mail order Svetlana is not working out here you know yeah but why is there so many adults at the end of this movie like the whole point of Children of the Corn is that the kids have to rid themselves of adults. But at the end of this movie, when you see the collection of the kids and she's in the barn, um, there's, you know, Dwayne Whitaker's there, um, we've got fucking Billy Drago's there, his missus is there, there's about one or two other stand-ins at the background. Adults, and I'm like, why is there so many? <laughs> you know what I mean? It's just, like, yeah. for everything that they try and do, I think, in this movie... I'd like it's I kind of like why like without saying the obvious reason which is Children of the Corn is the selling point here it's because it's a franchise easy market I'd like it just doesn't but it, it try it's so not a Children of the Corn movie it's kind of difficult to get your head it's around not, it you know what I mean it's like they just don't do it's, 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 stuff hmm. yeah it's, it's not though and that, that, that's the biggest problem well yeah. we're getting into the problems of the movie but you know it's 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 enjoyable in the sense of you know Billy's there doing his thing, but but there's not a lot of violence going on. No, there's yeah, a wild right. scene at the end where where, where Dwayne Whitaker brings the boy a toy, and it's sort of one of those um, one of those car um, stacking things you see on the highway that yeah. delivers cars. To and then the movie becomes Final Destination. And yeah, <laughs> it does. <laughs> and it's like you know what, this is going to end bad for these people because they're just they're getting away scot free in this car car and then you know what this kid just starts flicking cars off this thing and the cars start flicking off of the thing and she lives and he dies and then you know we're spoiling this because you shouldn't watch this movie yeah and the, the, other, <laughs> the other thing is like the the kind of after well it's not even an after credit scene we get a couple of credits and then we get a, a like a, a cut scene where he's playing with this toy and then he drops the toy down and the the i think it's the cop from earlier on falls from the sky um and it's yeah. the ground, and I was like, okay? Like, just, I, I don't know. I just, yeah. to me, it felt really, as much as I love Billy Drago, and I do love Billy Drago, I, it does warm my heart to see him in movies, and he, he's missed as an actor greatly, for sure. I, like, it's a difficult sell to get someone to watch this movie, if you're saying, because like, I can think of loads of other movies which are not great, but Billy Drago is infinitely better in. So, it's just, I don't yeah. know. I don't know, I found this one a slog and I came in here, the interesting thing about it was I had this, this was kind of down, this was joint, I had three movies that were sitting as my least favourites and Genesis was there and then I spoke to Lacey earlier on about uh, the the movie two ago from this um, and my hatred for that really came through so much so that I don't hate this, much as mu this one as much, it's definitely not the worst but it's definitely near the bottom, and I think it's for like, the bad stuff we're talking about, so we might as well get into that. I think his, his, his biggest issue is it doesn't really do anything. You know what I mean? This movie is a, a horror movie in which nothing really happens for predominantly 90% of the movie. 10% of the movie actually has some stuff, but it's mostly, like you mentioned before, Billy Drago talking to two people that kind of feel creeped out that they're staying in this like this guy's house waiting on someone picking them up the, f the following day 
and it's all like it's all nonsense speak it's like one minute like the couple they're deliberately being disorientating by changing their stories but it doesn't really go anywhere like the idea of that well they've kidnapped a kid that when that bit of information is dropped you're like oh right so they've abducted a kid and this is how they're going to get paid back or or whatnot and but that doesn't really go anywhere and then they're filming them that's not really explained in any way shape or form at all why that's happening the whole mail order bride thing's never really tied up either um it's not clear who the kids actually is because that story changes about five times during the movie and then like i say if the if the movie doesn't care about that i can't care about that I like it but like if i have to like you said before, you like it wasn't obvious to you that the preacher character, the Billy Drago character, is the character from the beginning, because the movie couldn't be bothered taking more than a three-second line to link those things together. And if it can't be bothered doing that, then why am I watching it? You know what I mean? Why why should I be interested in a movie that cares so little about explaining itself or its plot that like details like that could be easily overlooked? So that's my that's my biggest issue. I'd like it doesn't do it doesn't really have much in the way of huge special effects or gore. So I can't criticize any of that like I've criticized no. in the previous ones. This is the majority of this movie is dialogue. So yeah, that's my it's my issue it's, with it's that. It's not it's not bad dialogue. No, no, it's, this is not it's a not bad dialogue. Movie. It's, it's, it's it's just a lot of happenstance like yeah. He happens to be the thing from this town who happened to birth this child and then lied about who this child is. Who imagine? I imagine stays forever young, yeah, to be the child that leads them. Yeah, which contradicts in itself. If you watch the first film, <laughs> yeah, you're supposed to sacrifice yourself that he walks behind the rose on the first day of your nineteenth year. Yeah, that, that's that's how it works. But then again, it doesn't follow the rhetoric of the other films. That much like other sequels to this franchise doesn't yeah. follow the rhetoric of the other film <laughs> the most brilliant thing they ever did was in the second one where they brought the native american angle into it which yep. they just flushed down the toilet when the next movie came out oh it's, you know? it's like it's gone like at the end of that one you're like all oh, right that explains a little bit more about something that kind of makes sense and then the next movie comes on they're like we're going to chicago it's <laughs> like all right let's go to chicago um like are we carrying any of that oh we're not doing any of that again fine uh, we're gonna have a, a like a, a claymation creature eat a doll at the end of that movie. Cool, I'm down for that. Let's winter beast it up. Mm. Um, but yep. yeah, like it's this. It does. It like I don't know. This... It, it kind of contra. Not only contradicts the franchise, but you're right. This is not the most egregious one. There's movies that have done a lot more than this, and it's not the. It's not great dialogue, but I think it's Drago that elevates it. Because he's like he's yes. in it, you know, like you said, he's tuning the scenery, but he's tuning it in a way where he it, he feels conv- he feels like the only convincing character in here. Um, Tim Rock playing Tim because we couldn't give him another name. Uh, he's the boyfriend. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> he's, he's he's the boyfriend. Uh, he's a, like he is kind of like this weirdly comedic character. Like his lines are all kind of pithy and almost like one-linery, and it doesn't go with the tone of the movie. The rest of the tone in the movie is quite serious, and so that kind of stands out. And then, like you say, you've got uh, Dwayne Whitaker, who I do like as an actor when he pops up on things. Like really, only appearing right at the very end, and even then, his part in this is to be all kind of cagey and be like, "Yes, that's our police problem taken care of." Um, yeah, exactly. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know. Um, well, it's, it's got that same issue that 
that, that most of these films have, though, and, and not just children of the corn films, but like horror in general, probably the past twenty years. Mm. White couple comes. White couple comes to town. Yeah. White couple gets held up in in the house. Well, even the seventies too. Uh, white couple is told to go one place and nowhere else, and don't snoop around. What the fuck do you know? They hear a noise. They gotta go fucking see the the, the, the Scooby Doo aspect of this movie <laughs> to go see what's going on. Yeah. Because they they could have just left in the morning, but then you wouldn't have a movie. You yeah. Know? <laughs> yeah, this is true. This is true. Yeah, it would be a very short movie. But um, yeah, it's it's the same stereotypical thing, the same stereotypical plot. But there's there's parts that work, but the the unfortunately the parts that work, you know, don't really outweigh the parts that don't work in this yeah. movie which is you know why why were again why are there so many adults you know yeah. why why what why haven't they just like killed their 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 leaders I mean, he doesn't seem like is is he keeping is the boy that they're keeping in the barn keeping them alive because he obviously hates the the, the, the stepmother or, yep. or whatever she is because he kills her with a scythe with, with yeah. his mind <laughs> yeah. you know and that's like the biggest kill. To, no, the biggest kills are in the beginning of the film. Like I said, the opener is a banger. Yeah, you, you're hoping for more of that, but you don't really don't get more of that. Yeah, well, it makes you wonder so, why they just didn't lean into like. It looks like there was time and a bit of money spent in that opening sequence, and I'm just like, just keep it there, just keep it in that time set, and at least you're doing something different. Like, just keep it at that mm-hmm. time period from a different perspective. As the the kids are trying to overthrow Gatlin, just take it from a different character who we didn't see before, who tries to right. It's probably going to be a tragic story arc, but then this movie ends in a tragic story arc. So let let's have like, this this soldier coming back trying to reclaim things back and not being able to. Yeah, you know I mean that 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 I, I at least is movie. doing I mean, we, something. Um, we keep writing better movies here, but I have a better movie for this. <laughs> Keep to keep in the storyline of the opening scene, and then because in the first movie, I mean, don't get me wrong, I love I love the first movie, you know, for Courtney Gaines and John Franklin, they're, they're doing their thing, and but that opening scene in in the first movie in the diner, yeah, is is probably one of the most brilliant scenes ever shot in, in an eighties horror film, and I, I'll take that to my grave because mm. it's it's terrifying because of the stuff that you don't see. Yeah. Now, if if this was a film. Were they? Because you see it in like her drawings, like devastation of the kids killing the parents in Gatlin. Mm-hmm. Now, if they actually showed that on screen, like this being like, let's make that opening credits scene, but let's make a whole movie out of that. The the the, the deterioration of Gatlin, you know, because of Isaac, and, and you know, you don't even got to show any Isaac or or, or Malachi. You can mm-hmm. just show these kids doing his bidding to their parents. In, in varying scenes leading up to leading up to the couple coming to town. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And that that would that would be your better movie if you're going with that opening. Yeah. No, I agree with that. I agree with that hundred percent. And we've answered question three by fixing and, it. Uh, as well. You know what and I mean? I would wa- and I would watch that movie. A hundred percent. A hundred percent. Like I, I, to me it gets but then like we're saying if these are other stories that are being co-opted to make children of the corn movies that explains it there's no one sitting down aiming to make a children of the corn sequel what they're doing is aiming to adapt other screenplays to make them children of the corn movies and that's that's the issue they're not they're not getting a chance to 
to do the whole story. They're working with someone else's material and and adapting it. Um, so yeah, so we've we've kind of put forward our ideas of how we would we maybe would have handled this differently. Which brings me to the question, which I know you can answer, but let's let's drill into a little bit more. Are you recommending this movie or not recommending this movie? And what is the scene you would pick to justify your stance? Um, it's a light recommend. <laughs> you are in the such States, a forgiving. You you're such a kind guy, no, guy. No. <laughs> you're too kind. If you had to pay to watch this movie, which I did not, I watched it on Tubi <laughs> here in the States. You know, I watched it on Tubi. It's it's an hour and twenty minutes, maybe like an hour twenty four with the ads. Yeah, none of them are long. None of the, that, that's yeah. the one thing about this franchise is not one of these movies uh, dares to go over an hour and thirty five minutes. So, I I think you get enough with with Drago, and uh, um, the small plot that you get in this movie that you're hoping for more. The opening scene, you get enough for one viewing. Because, like, like you said, none of these are connected, with the yeah. exception of Isaac's connection in the first one, in the in the, in the sixth one. Yeah, six, 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 Gary. Because they're being edgy. Yeah, I don't hate it. I don't hate it. You're not I, 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 I hate insane. it. I I hate it when it came out, but I watched it, you know, to to, to watch along with you, and it, it it got it got better with age for me because I kind of understood more what was going on. I didn't need, you know. uh the guy that 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 got betrayed by Isaac and took over stuff, wanted to take over stuff. I, I didn't need yeah. too much of that guy being all horned up and stuff. Yeah, um, like, use of the word so, "dude" there as well. Yeah, he well, says you know, that about a hundred times, and I'm just like, Come man, on. <laughs> man, dude. <laughs> um, yeah, this one though, I I recommend at least one time watch. Yeah, just check it out. It's because it's better than it's better than some of them. Oh yes, and um, that that's saying a lot because I, I could recommend the first five of these movies. I'd say because they're very interesting. They have great character actors in them, and this is this is what keeps this franchise going, in my opinion, is that the great character actors that they happen to get to play these roles. Mm. Um, Nancy Allen and the fourth is is it? No, she she's in the fifth one. Karen Black and the fourth one, um, yeah. which has an amazing bisection scene. If you haven't watched the movie, yeah, guys, Nancy Allen's the sixth one, oh, and yeah. they have Eva Mendes oh, in the one. fifth one. Yeah, you got Eva Mendes and two Zappas in that movie, and Alexis Arquette. So you're 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 having fun with that cast. Charlize Theron and her career performance, like first role, Naomi Watts in part four, and her first. Like stateside Hollywood movie as well. Like the yeah. casting's insane. She's man. she's good in it. She's she is the reason to watch part four. Like you, we don't get enough Karen Black in that. Uh, for me, I think we should have more of her. But Naomi Watts is legitimately great in that movie. You can see why she went on but, to have a great career because she's legitimately good. But that's the only reason why this one is any good because they stuck to that formula of having these character actors do what they do best, just, just devour the scenery, mm. you know? And that's that's the reason to watch this, because this is a late Billy Drago role. He's not with us much longer than this. He's, he's kind of sickly, you could tell. Yeah. yeah but yeah. you know what? He's still out there doing his thing. 
and you know what? If you like, if you're a Billy Drago enthusiast, and I am, uh, <laughs> go check out Children of the Corn Genesis because he he's he's acting his ass off in this donkey of a movie, and that's just the trend in these Children of the Corn movies. These great actors that are acting their ass off. Yeah, you know, they're, they're they're professionals. They're out there. They're they're there to work, mm. and they're doing what they do best. You know, with this shit script and make it a go of it so for that reason yeah it's it's a low recommend and if you have to be because if you have to be i understand to be doesn't work in, in the uk it doesn't but work for in the, the states UK, yeah it is available yeah, in the uk boot. online you can find it I, that's, that's how i saw it so i found it on a streaming site over here one of these kind of put locker sites um oh yeah so yeah as you can is as readily available i i love your positive positivity on this one i don't share it i wouldn't recommend this movie um well you know it's it's, it's not great yeah and that's like, i think know, that's my i think that's is. my i think my my problem is and what i found very very quickly into this one is i just don't like these movies i like my problem is at the end of every single one of them i'm like that you know how like i've got about 100 ideas of how to improve the movie and I'm thinking about that when I'm watching it. I'm just like, why did you do that? That doesn't make sense. Why did you do this? Um, you are right in this. The thing I, w I will say about this one, if you can get a super cuts of this movie, which is just Billy Drago, just watch that. Because um, everything else is is just not interesting to me. It's not well done either. He at least is bringing a degree of of something to the role. Enthusiasm or whatever it is, he's bringing a bit of class to what is otherwise a pretty shitty movie. Um, Gary Hill, uh, we are going to do scores for this one. Uh, it's one through five. One is hated it, two is didn't like it, three is liked it, four is really liked it, and five is loved it. Point fives are allowed. Um, it's a one for me. Uh, I hate it. <laughs> I'm not going to lie. It's not the lowest grade I've given out. There are at least two movies, I think, that scored below this. Um... And I think having talked about those movies in the last three days, that's probably what has shunted up Genesis just a little bit because it was trailing pretty low. Um, but talking about those movies, I hate them more than this. Um, so yeah, I'm going to come in with a one. What about yourself? What, what are you thinking about? I, I get the feeling from what you were saying, you probably would score this a bit higher than me. Well, it's, it's not a middle of the roads. So I can't say a 2.5. Yeah. Because it's not worthy of, of saying middle of the road status. I, I'm going to give it a two, though. Nice. I'm going to give it a two. And for, for, for all the reasons I said, it, it's it's worth your time for Billy and, and not much else. You know. Mm. Nice. Right. Gary, you are a busy man. You podcast loads. You're always doing something because I can see stuff getting posted. Let the listeners out there know where they can check out your stuff, buddy. Well, it's an exciting time. For, for for the B family, if if you will, as as a whole, because you can find most of it on the same feed. Mm. Uh, last call, torches is back with uh, that's our Walter Hill retrospective. You you get an episode, regular episode, which the next one that we're gonna do is Southern Comfort, mm -hmm. and then you get a Patreon episode because we have so much fun together, which is gonna be Deliverance. So, um, yeah, we we I I did the first the first anniversary of Cinebeef, we did all Walter Hill films for like seven shows mm -hmm. and all those episodes, episodes got lost you know, in, 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 a, in a hard drive and a fire, so um, we're doing them over again in grand style with Lee Russell and Cameron Scott and we we have fun talking about these uh, the, the auteur 
uh, Western lover, Mr. Walter Hill. And I, I have, we have a good time doing that and hope you guys listen. Uh, two drink minimum commentaries coming back in the new year. Uh, mm-hmm. So I'm going to talk about that right this second because just time got away from us. Burning for Springwood is um, Freddy's Nightmares retrospective. We're, we're, we're going to re- start recording those again this Thursday. That's coming back. Nice. Cinema Beef Podcast is back. They're it's all back, man. I'm so excited. Uh, Cinema Beef Podcast is back. Uh, next one we record will be our, our holiday episode that comes out after Christmas because that's that's how I roll. Uh, being had nothing to do with the holidays except for one scene in a movie. We're doing female trouble in a face in the crowd where the theme is criminals who become like like pop culture icons mm. and it's 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 gonna be fun. Let's put it that way. Um, I'm forgetting anything. I don't think I am, but you know, somebody kicked me in the pants if I am. <laughs> you know, um, <laughs> this, this. Oh, I did forget Derek. one because what, what's the one you do with Derek? Yeah, with with Boo Boo, he comes on the show with you. Blood from the core is back. You can find the Bridge and Tunnel episodes, which are the ones that we. It's a New York City based uh, horror thriller and exploitation mm. show, but we do the the Bridge and Tunnel ones, which are Connecticut. New Jersey, you know, ones um, for for the main fee, but the main show is available only on Legion Patreon. So if you're not a member of the Legion pa- Podcast pa- Patreon, I'll pimp it here. Two bucks a month minimum uh, gets you early releases and exclusive content from me because I'm I'm not taking it off. There, you guys, you, you guys <laughs> gotta get you guys gotta you guys gotta pay for these 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 this hairy chest and lack of hair on the nipples, people. It, 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 uh, <laughs> It's, it's 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 coming. We we have fun though, guys. So if you guys want to check that out and give a small stipend to to Mr. Bo Ransdell and you know all that he does, he he works hard, people. Mm-hmm. And uh, Legion Patreon, we would appreciate that. And um, go go check us out too if you if you want to, you know. Nice. Yeah, go support Gary's stuff. He's a good guy. You heard it here. So go and check. You, you heard it here him this asshole boasting himself that he's a good guy you know <laughs> i i would say humbly boasting so i wouldn't say well, i wouldn't yeah, say well, obnoxiously you know. boasting there are people out there that obnoxious obnoxiously boast and you Gary hill are not one of them um believe it or not you're my penultimate children of the corn recording and i have one left to do and that was supposed to be JP, but JP has uh, hit a string of very bad luck recently, and as a result, couldn't make that final episode. So he has been replaced with my buddy Jeff Lon, who is returning after getting arguably the best in the franchise to maybe arguably the worst. Uh, we'll see if that was the case. Um, and uh, the next review, which is Children of the Corn Runaway from 2018. I'm going to take a short break. You're going to hear promos for shows that love the trailer for the movie. Myself and Jeff coming right up right after this. Want to learn more about horror directors? With a lighthearted look at three of their movies, meet fearless podcaster Gore Blimey. I've been unsettled by bats in the past and startled by parrots, and I've even been known to jump at the odd cockatoo. Discover horror films that are classics, and others, too. There's a topless aerobics massacre, an exploding rock singer, cannibals, nude martial arts, a deep fright But it's not all silliness. You'll get proper movie breakdowns, opinion, and background information, too. Yep, in the 80s and 90s, Jeff Stryker was huge in gay porn. In every sense. So if you're a horror film fan, come and check out the Trilogy of Terror podcast at strangeanddeadly.com 
or find it on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or on your podcatcher. One of those people that has a certain charisma and a certain style, and I'm just hoping one day he'll rub off on me. The Trilogy of Terror Podcast, where we try three times harder to give you the willies. Don't you ever want to stop? Me, people? No. I just felt like we were being followed. I think we're on the deck of the Titanic or something. Who's in there? I bet you'd kill to have a normal life. Yeah. You should just take your little circus of crazy and hit the road. There's someone in this town. She's gonna do something terrible. Get my son as far away from here as you possibly can. You're the only thing that matters. You always will be. Who's there? Welcome back, ladies and gents. Now, originally lined up for this review was one Mr. JP. Now, JP has had a run of bad luck recently, for anyone that's following him on Facebook. Uh, his car was stolen, which, now having seen this movie, I'm not convinced that JP didn't steal the car himself uh, to get into this review. Uh, this is the final movie in the, in the Russian Roulette franchise retro. So what I did was... I, I kind of had heard rumours uh, that this movie maybe wasn't all that good. So I've invited one of the hosts back who was on my favourite movie. And I'm just going to put out my favourite movie in the entire franchise thus far, which was Children of the Corn 3 Urban Harvest. So joining me because, I, I mean, this guy said he'd watched them all and is a big fan of Children of the Corn. I, I made, made up that second but he'd seen them all so bring him back uh, to the show uh, my good buddy Jeff Lawn. how's it going Jeff? Hey yeah I'm doing good um, I guess you know I was spoiled with my <laughs> first first one like you said uh, checks and balances here yep yep yeah. it's, um, me in line real quick yeah <laughs> well the thing is I, I sent you I sent you a message saying do you want to come on you were like yeah and I thought because I'd heard rumours that this movie wasn't all that good and then you were like, yeah, of course I'll come back on. And I was like, maybe Jeff knows something I don't know. Like, <laughs> like, maybe this movie isn't bad. Maybe I'm just like, sometimes people just hate on things because it's later installments of movies. So, and then I got about halfway through it. I was like, oh no. Um, I really hope that that the Jeff, this is really one of Jeff's favourite instalments in the franchise. <laughs> and we've chatted off here, and um, there'll be no surprises here. Uh, you didn't like it, I didn't like it, and we're going to get into why that might be yeah. the case. But you said you you thought you may have seen them all, but then realised you hadn't seen this one. Yeah, so whatever year they start uh, runs through, I think I genesis was the one before this that's that... right yeah yeah okay so yeah i had i'd seen them all up until that point then i do 
I, you know, I, I thought I had seen this one and, you know, like you said, we we're chatting off air. I kind of got in a little bit and I was like, I don't know what this is and <laughs> I could have done without it. So <laughs> this one is just another shining, a shining example of a studio just putting out a movie. Like I, yeah. I, I don't know if this is at, at this stage now. I think it's I think it is the Hellraiser thing. I think this is just to retain rights. Yeah, definitely. They they were like, we got like a year left with this name yeah. and this franchise. If we don't put it out, like <laughs> we lose it. We so lose yeah, it. and because that's what it feels like. Because it, it like it with two small elements here. I mean, it's not a, a without the ending. If you remove the ending and remove like maybe one or two elements that feel like they may have been shoehorned in here it doesn't feel like a children of the corn movie at all um no right uh, let, let's talk about it it's called children of the corn runaway it came out all the way back in 2018 direct to vod and is directed by john gulliger who is more commonly known for the feast movies so you did yeah. Feast 1 through 3 and then <laughs> leveled up to uh, Piranha 3 Double D. Um, <laughs> so, you know, he was like, at this point, he was like, I'm at my peak. This is I'm my hitting zenith. my stride. <laughs> yeah, like, I can't wait to see where I go next. And then he kind of mulled around for a while and then did this. Um, and, uh, yeah, this kind of feels like he's on the, the, the downslope now. Um, the movie itself stars a lot of people that is not even worth learning. Although there is an appearance by Clue Gulliger, who I'm assuming is related. Clue must be his dad. Yeah, I was I was wondering about that myself, but didn't wonder about it enough to look into it at all. So. <laughs> the same as me. I was like, that seems like a fact that I won't check. Uh, this has a <laughs> Marcy Miller, Jake Ryan Scott, Sarah Moore, Mary Catherine Bryant, Lynn Andrews III, Kevin Harvey, Diane Alia Goldner, Eric Starkey. Now, there's a lot of names here. There really isn't a lot of people in this movie. Uh, Sydney Flack, Debbie Tucker, Daria Balling, Clue Gulliger, like we mentioned earlier on, where Molly, did, Nikki Anderson. Where were all these people during I think, I think these I think these people are the interactions in the diner. I okay, think. yeah. I was going to say, because other than that, there's like, what, three people? Like Pretty much. This is a minimal stuff? cast. This is like a, this is the very definition of minimal cast. Um, <laughs> but there's a lot of names mentioned here. Interestingly enough, a lot of the names mentioned in here on IMDb, they don't even have headshots. Well, there we on go. On the profile, which is usually a great indication that, that maybe, we're, maybe we're stretching the, the old idea of who was actually in the movie. Um, <laughs> synopsis for this one is listed on the aforementioned IMDb. Uh, the plot of Children of the Corn Runaway follows a young pregnant Ruth who escapes a murderous child cult in a small midwestern town. She spends the next decade living anonymously in an attempt to spare her son the horrors that she experienced as a child. She lands in the small... She lands in the small Oklahoma town. But we don't <laughs> get a name, apparently. Let's change that to a sentence that makes sense. She lands in a small Oklahoma town, but there something we <laughs> there we are. Uh, but something is following her. Now she must confront this evil or lose her child. What I love about this is that's a terrible synopsis because she does confront <laughs> the evil and she still loses her child. So yeah, she loses the child and her life. All right. Um, oh god. <laughs> 
Uh, there's four questions coming your way, uh, my good friend, and um, we might as well just get to the first one. Jeff, tell the listeners out there what Children of the Corn Runaway does well. Not a damn thing. <laughs> but if I had to pick one, <laughs> if I had to pick one thing, I would say it uh, put the name Children of the Corn mm. into the title of the film, and it did that well. But yes. that, that's it. <laughs> I, I really don't have a lot of good things written down here. Uh, when I say written down, I mean in my mind. Because um, <laughs> I don't take notes. Uh, I don't hate the acting. Okay. Which is like damning with faint praise. Because I don't hate the acting, but I don't think any of the actors are necessarily good. But I think the roles they are given, they are fine at playing. I don't think anyone is exceptional in this movie by any stretch of the imagination. I also don't think necessarily anyone is terrible. I think the dialogue is awful, but I think the actors are fine at what they're doing. I also think there's one kill effect in this that I really liked, and it involves inexplicably a man being like he's decapitated essentially by a wire. Um, oh yeah, that was cool. Yeah, and that's about it. That's like genuinely. Oh, and it's runtime. It's short. <laughs> yeah, yeah, nothing wrong with that. But yeah, these are definitely the uh, standouts, like of community theater. They definitely. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> they're they're moving on to maybe thinking about getting an agent at this point. Well, yeah, like like because the, the the problem the problem with this movie. Let's let's pivot to the the, the bad stuff. The biggest issue with this movie is. That this more than some of the other ones we've discussed about, like feels like a script for a horror movie that we just tag children in the corn stuff into. Yeah, you know what I mean. This could this could literally be a woman is running away from, you know, like any cult, or could be running away from you know our family a relationship. Or, yeah, yeah, anything at all. And what we've literally done here is. Um, at the start, we we put the idea that she was pregnant and she was part of the cult at Gatlin. Now, which version of that, we don't know because the movie doesn't even bother to try and explain that. <laughs> but we bring back... I love how we bring back fire as the cleansing tool here. So she burns, essentially, he who walks beyond the road. It gets mentioned in this one once at the fucking beginning in right. some monologue. And I was like... All right, we're never coming back to that because that's kind of the thing about these movies. No, 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 the movie doesn't want you to think about that. Um, and this is the weird thing: is I've moaned and moaned and moaned and moaned and better moaned that what this movie should just be, what all these movies should just be, is a movies about a, you know, apart from part three, which was amazing because of how bonkers it was, but all the rest oh, of yeah. the movies should just be about a murderous cult of children who are fanatical in their belief. Like Wicker Man style, fanatical about their belief and yeah. something that will save their crop. And that's it. Whether that thing exists or not, as an audience, we don't need to see it. In fact, it's scarier if we don't see it. Once again, that's why Wicker Man's amazing. Because there's absolutely no evidence at the end of that movie that they're going to have a good harvest next year. What you have is essentially two characters shouting at the sky uh, to their god, which like if you're me that neither exist but um you know what i mean like i but i love the the i love that idea that image and i think children of the corn at his, at his base core should just be that 
And in this movie, they give me that. They take away the supernatural element altogether, which is what I've been asking for. And now I've seen a Children of the Corn movie with no supernatural element. And guess what? It sucks just as much. Pair. Yeah, it just, it, just <laughs> it, it continues to suck. So, yeah, she's pregnant. She burns the field at the beginning, murdering a lot of children. Yeah, everybody was cool with that. They're like, yeah, no, that's fine. That's fine. And then she goes on the road, uh, seemingly giving birth to a child somewhere along the lines. Um, and, you know, uh, like, according to her, she spends no more than a couple of days in any town. Where she's getting the money to finance this is beyond me because you don't just take up, right, we're going to stay here for two days and I'm going to get a job which goes you know it doesn't make any sense none of this makes sense i mean she definitely could have like took up a job as like a carny or something like they they travel around but they didn't even think to like shoehorn that idea you're saying that and that to me is a missed opportunity because that it fills out two massive plot holes in this (laughs) just story involvement and how she made her money to get around creepy imagery as well i love the idea get carnies in it then i'm a bit creeped out Uh, carnies of the corn there we are. There you go. There's a spin-off coming somewhere down the line. Uh, but yeah, so uh, yeah, so like the, the stop in this small town, they decide that they're gonna settle down for a little while. She gets a job as a mechanic. We're gonna circle back to that though. Um, but <laughs> this town is clearly the least friendly town on planet Earth, and I'm starting to think to myself, all the other places she's been to. I can't imagine her as nasty as this. So why didn't she stay? Why is she so determined to stay in this shithole where no one is nice? Uh, where there's probably been all these different opportunities to stay in places where people were maybe a bit nicer or like the scenery or whatever. But they, they, they stop here. She's a job as a mechanic, like I said. Um, our, our son befriends a woman that works in a diner, which is maybe the only other set that we have in this town. Yeah. <laughs> That, no, there's That's a skill it. office. There's a skill office, sorry. And a house, which I think is yeah, yeah. used more than once. Um, and yeah, she starts seeing this little girl wearing a, a kind of yellow dress, uh, ominously being there. And she gets a lot of kind of visions of things that are happening that her son keeps telling her isn't happening. And then lo and behold, Jeff, at the end yeah. of this movie, we find out that the people that have been dying in the town at the hands of this little girl in the red, uh, in the yellow dress, turns out it's actually Ruth after all, and she is a she's got a psychotic break with reality, and she's murdered a lot of people. Oh, and by the way, the woman that works in the diner actually is involved with the cult? Question mark. <laughs> yeah, she she mentioned something about like you're one of us. You could never run away from. Yeah. We were gonna get you no matter what. So, like, but but how does like she works in the diner? So if they post someone in every single diner in America, just in case, <laughs> or did she that she arrive a day before and everyone got to know her name and the orders really quick, or like it just once again it just makes zero fucking sense. Um, but she has be she's recruited her kid Aaron over, and then Aaron kills her mum. And then, so Ruth dies. So why we even bothered spending any time with Ruth at all is, is inconsequential. Um, and the, <laughs> the movie finishes, and this is the bit where I was like, fuck you movie and die. Um, this movie finishes with Aaron essentially taking the role of Isaac as, a, as if the circle loops and he's back to creating a new cult of children 
in this town. Which only yeah. had like visibly three adults because Ruth's killed them all anyway, so I don't know who they're gonna rebel against. Um yeah, all the work was done. What what are we doing here? <laughs> but like that's it might sound like um I'm that's literally the plot of this movie. So uh, with, with me now spelling that out, uh, Jeff, what does it like? There's so many things it does wrong, but can you pinpoint <laughs> maybe one or two things for for podcast poster, uh, prosperity uh, as to what didn't work for this movie with you? What didn't work so much, like you're saying. Um, the whole, the whole job thing for me. You said we we're going to kind of talk about this, so I guess I'm going to yeah. talk about it right here. Do, do, like, do it right now, yeah, yeah. Her, her. Okay, and if you could fix the one truck you've owned your entire life, you actually could become a mechanic in a town that repairs like he- heavy duty engines and stuff. Yep. Apparently, yeah. So you now she did that, and like that was dumb enough. But then you know we, it tried to bring in that like. Um, romantic element there for a second and then like i don't know if they were just like okay this isn't working yeah so then it tried to bring in the whole like element of uh you know him firing her like a sexual like thing because you know he he didn't get what he wanted from her yeah, and i was I, like why it are they like I can quasi, like it feels like someone because i'm trying to think me too was right 2018 exactly. it feels like that is literally just an afterthought that we could put a me too thing in here and that'll work yeah that's that's exactly what i was thinking but i didn't want to say it because i was like i don't know exactly when I, that sure started it was, it, was so. 20, it was either 2017 or 2018 so yeah it was, one, it was, it was one of the two so definitely time. it would definitely been in the zeitgeist in or around when this movie came out and it's either a very happy coincidence coincidence that they did something which i mean it's the fucking the the most two-dimensional version of what that actually means uh in the yeah. movie but it does it feels so out of tone with the rest of the movie as well that you've just got to think it's just been put in there yeah yeah they they had to have either like went back i, I don't i doubt they had like a budget for re- reshooting or anything <laughs> like that so, so i was gonna say maybe they did it during a reshoot but no maybe they just like filmed a bunch of stuff at once and yeah. just had that left over we're like oh this this could fit the times like let's 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 plug it in here yeah because like, they go out their way to because this is where it gets problematic they go out their way to make it look like carol the guy that owns the the garage um, yeah, is this nice guy? Well, he's this really nice guy. Comes across as a bit salty at the beginning, but he's this really nice guy, and he's doing all this stuff to help her because he genuinely feels like sorry for her and her kid, and is trying to help her. And then you get a scene where she's at the school with this religious woman, right? Who has you know she's religious because her earrings are crossed. Yeah, the crosses. I mean, like, yeah, wow, wow. You like when when a cross around your neck isn't enough, get cross earrings as well. Nice. Um, <laughs> and this woman is like a racist and a bigot, and uh, you know, just like just a horrible, horrible, horrible woman who it kind of feels like the movie's also kind of being like, well, Christians say a lot of things, but do do you know are they nice people? No, um, because this woman's horrible. Like, but one of the things she says is she doesn't she doesn't like the idea of um, this kind of interracial relationship, which hasn't happened at this point, right? Yeah. So she doesn't. How like, would she even know? But I, I think it's she's she right. So this is either this teacher knows that 
Carl does this with all the women that's passing through, right? So it's maybe all the passing a, mechanics. Yeah. yeah, all these passing mechanics applying for a job, um, <laughs> or it's uh, she's just uh, just assumed something. If she has just assumed something, right? Which once again, I mean that's as good as any guess. Yeah, she has just assumed something, and it hasn't happened. You would think Ruth would be very self-conscious of that when things start taking a romantic turn. Right. You know what I mean? Or if this is something that Carol does all the time, I think a little bit of some, like a conversation in the diner, or oh, you're working for Carol, right? You need to watch yourself around them. You know, something like that. It just comes so out of the blue that you get almost kind of narrative whiplash watching it because it just doesn't, it's such a, a sea change for that character, except each character that dies in this has wronged Ruth at some point. So yeah. this is how they wrong Ruth? I, I don't like you know what I mean, because he's, I, he's I, I don't know, it just feels like over, it feels overkill. This kind of feels like ED-209 shooting that guy that has the gun. Yeah. Like one or two okay. shots is okay, but the, you know, the, the physical force that he puts on him, which lasts about 20 seconds and puts him through a model, might be overkill. And I think that this is kind of <laughs> like that, where it's just, <laughs> It's, it's one too many steps. The guy can be a dick, an annoyer, like everyone else did, by just saying a sentence to her, which is, you know, a death sentence, without yeah. the... He's basically. Basically trying to finger-bang her, and she, like, like kind of rejects his move. Then he... Yeah, well, the son showed up too, right, at that yes. point? Yes. Okay. And, and then I the think right they tried to... She did the yeah. right thing. She's like that. I'm not going to have sex in front of my son. And I was like, you know what? That's refreshing in a horror movie. Yeah. <laughs> Anytime uh, I think of that, I think of the, there's that stupid clip from Eastbound and Down, yeah. the like blooper reel or whatever. And yeah. Will Ferrell's like, let the boy watch. <laughs> let the, let boy, the watch. boy watch. <laughs> but yeah, no, that, I think it just, that part, like, you know, the whole, like I just said, I didn't like how they kind of added the, yeah. tried to add the romantic element and just the whole, that whole, whole thing. But, I don't know it. There were also a few parts in this where it was setting up for like huge exposition dumps and like yep. some background, and then it didn't deliver. Like None of nothing it. happened at all. Like, she, you're she like, oh, okay, this part is going to explain what's happening or yeah. why they're doing this, and then it just would go to something else, and you're like, we. We, we could have solved a lot of issues if you guys would have just addressed that. Well, our exposition, our exposition dump with uh, Sarah, the waitress, right? Yeah. Our expedition dump with her is basically the monologue from the beginning. Yeah. She, you don't get any further detail on it at all. At the beginning of this movie, she tells you she was pregnant, she was part of this kid cult, she set the corner on fire and made a run for it, right? The, yeah. the the exposition when she's talking to her is I was part of this kid cult. Did you did you ever hear that great fire where they these like as if this is common knowledge throughout the world? That lady's like, oh yeah, oh yeah, oh yeah, oh yeah. The, the, you know, the corn fire from ten years ago, which was in a completely different state. Totally know what you're on about. She's like, well, I started the fire. Um, so like, but like, you don't get any any information. We still don't know who Arden's dad is. No, no, you don't get any of that information at all, and as a result, and it comes like towards the end of the movie, and I was just like, oh. and then once again I thought, well, maybe Sarah says that she knows because, well, obviously she was part of the cult, but if that's the case, we could have we could have done something a bit more sinister with it, and like the biggest issue with this movie, the biggest issue with this movie is 
that you've seen this done before better in loads of horror movies. The idea of the character you're following it has a psychological break in that what he or she is seeing isn't right and they're actually the killer all along. Right. I've lost I've lost count of like session nine is the first movie that sprung ahead. Like straight away. Um but there's loads of movies that do that. And then to link it by the way, <laughs> to, to link it to Hellraiser Inferno. Literally <laughs> the plot of Hellraiser Inferno. Um but once you like once you kind of get a, a, an idea of that's where it's going and a movie doesn't really do anything not to let your mind roll there. This is basically, uh, we're in the diner. Oh, someone's offended the waitress and offended Ruth. Oh, right, they're going to die by the hands of this little girl in a uh, you know, yellow dress that no one else sees. So that's how you know it's just Ruth. Um, yeah. And, you know, like, and that kid's going to hunt them down, but it's always at a time where Ruth's away doing something, so it's clearly her. So I, I just, I don't, like, I felt, the longer it went on, the more frustrated I got about just how pedestrian this movie actually, it, there's like, there's no ambition to do anything ostentatious, no. or even remotely, like, I was thinking about this as well, what is it about this movie that actually makes it a horror movie? <laughs> they they slapped a little bit of blood and guts in it. Yeah, you know I mean, like, I, on that, yeah, because I was, I, because I sat and I thought to myself, I've seen thrillers that I wouldn't class horror movies that are more tense than this. There's no scene of tension at all in this. No, like nothing that even works on that level. Um, and it, it just kind of, it, it kind of meanders aimlessly without any real idea of what it's gonna do. And then kind of like, all oh, right, we need to do something. Uh, uh, right, uh, waitress, is, she's in the cult. And then the kid's going to be a preacher at the end. Yeah, they were pretty liberal too with the flashback stuff. Mm -hmm. And this and that kind of drove me crazy. It's like, okay, we, we get it. We're, <laughs> we're watching what the flashback like represents. But like, they it, it did it poorly too. Yeah. Like that's that's the thing, like... You'd think the flashback would make sense, but it was like mostly stuff that had nothing to do with what she was, you know, doing yeah. present day or anything like that. It, just dumb. And sure. <laughs> you, you kind of like you wasted a lot of time. Uh, that's OK. That's that's this movie. It's a waste of time, like in every aspect, like for a viewer, like the people in it were wasting time, like it just kind of lame. Yeah. <laughs> Real lame. Yeah, you, you're right. I, th I think. It's it's the epitome of like we said before a movie that is purely here for cynical reasons and the cynical reason is to retain. It has to be. I can't imagine Dimension were like yes, <laughs> this is <laughs> this is the movie that will bring them back because it just doesn't. It, like of all the movies, this is the one that feels the least like a Children of the Corn movie. Like overall, I just like, there's nothing a bit like I say we move so far away from. The supernatural element, granted, that I don't like, but we move away from, like, Hugh walks by the rose mentioned once, and it's, it's in a monologue at the beginning when she's setting a fire, and then, like I say, we don't touch. She does this weird kind of satanic prayer thing. Yeah, yeah. Which our kid, like, our kid doesn't, our, our kid interrupts her. So I think that's once again that's the movie trying to be clever, as if to say, wait one second. She's in a she's in her own little world and she's still a member of the cult. But 
I, I mean, it sounded more like a satanic prayer than it did like a biblical prayer. And that's the interesting thing about the, you know, like the way they set up these characters from the, you know, the, the, the group of children is it's all kind of rooted in the Bible. It's just them twisting Bible verses. So I just, I mean, uh, and then just everything. <laughs> I, oh, I, I, I finished and I, I just kind of felt like, this one felt more like a TV movie than the actual TV movie. Yeah, it it felt very much like a TV movie. Yeah, and like the like that TV movie one, I remember moaning about that. But this one has a bigger budget and has he, you know, a you know, big studio behind it, not sci-fi, uh, but a big studio behind <laughs> it. But what well, I say, big dimension, dimensions put out a ton of stuff. Um, yeah, and it still feels cheap. And yeah, just I don't know, I don't know, man. Let, let, let's let's let's. I, I'm I'm getting bummed out about this. Let's let's, yeah. let's take it yeah. away from here. Um, right. How do you fix it then? Right. Let's say, let's. Is this movie fixable in your opinion? Is there something you could do with the bare bones of this plot, i.e., someone escaping from the cult, being pregnant, and like, why didn't they? Here's a thing, right. Why didn't they just make this a sequel to part six? Yeah, that would have worked. Um, you know what I mean? At the end of part six, it's like the Terminator. Like, it's Sarah Connors on the run with John Connor in her belly, right? Why didn't yeah. they just... If we have to do a... She's running away with a kid. That The end of part six is that. So, why are we... Anyway, that's by the by. Right? <laughs> uh, can this movie... Could you have salvaged this movie? Is this movie salvageable? And if so, how would you have done it? It's not worth saving, but um, <laughs> what they, one thing I think that they could have done is, you know, picked something and stuck with it instead of trying mm-hmm. to, because as basic as it is, it's also like a complicated, like twisted up mess because they have all these different ideas that they stuck into it. And yeah. they could have, you know, if they could have just focused on one and do that, you know, they could have probably got it right. But yeah. You know, they went so many different directions. It kind of kind of screwed them on this one. But they could have, you know, they could have did what you were saying, or they could have done like I was trying to think. Might be interesting if like the kid was already turning into like the new leader of the cult, and she was battling him or something. You yeah. know what I mean? Like that would be kind of interesting. And she's trying to do what she can to save him the way she did when they got away when she burned down the cornfield or something yeah. like that. But no, he like straight up gets like the waitress is like, hi, he's like, Oh my God, I have to do whatever you say. <laughs> um, <laughs> that. And then, you know, we just have all her flashbacks that we have the like me too. And the like yeah. kind of overly aggressive boss. And mm-hmm. then we have the religious, the religious teacher uh, or principal or whoever she was. Um, in the town of like 10 people, but they didn't want to let another kid in school. Like what? Come on. (laughs) Yeah. What's the matter? Yeah. I mean, this movie's called children of the corn. How many kids do you actually see in it? You see like six at a diner at one of those flashbacks and they're all chopping all the patrons up at it. So (laughs) yeah. I I mean, that's it. That's literally it. And this town though. Like, cause I that I'm, I I think you're led to believe those that what she's seeing that flashback is a flashback to Gatlin, I'm uh-huh. assuming, but there's no kids in this town. 
Right. Until the very, very, very end when there's apparently a church with kids in it. But they're not... Like, you mean, it's a Children of the Corn movie with, with a child. That's <laughs> yeah. the manifest... And it's not even the child that's killing anyone. It's Ruth that's killing people. Yeah. So, it's just like... You mean, it just... It doesn't... The, how I fix this movie, right? This is how I fix it right now. All right. Um, I, I fix it that she escapes obviously with a kid she's been travelling around the place she finds this town she settles down in this town and in this town someone from the corn you know is there or has settled there or something and they, they also have a kid and their kid still believes like their kid has oh, been brought yeah. up in that way and their kid it's a kind of battle of wills between the next generation type thing. Yeah, a hundred percent. Because okay. we've done something similar to that before. Once again, that's part six to an extent. But um, <laughs> you know, but you you have this kind of you have Ruth trying to you know shield her son from her past, and you, you've got this other one that was there, and their kid is fully all in to the you know the the, the stuff to do with the corner and all the rest. And basically, you've got it's, it's kind of like this uh, war of wills to try and keep her kid from falling out of the wrong crowd it's an amalgamation of about three or four of these movies but at least it then feels like a children in the corn movie um, yeah that whole uh getting away from the cult thing could kind of be like the endless where yeah. oh you yeah. know oh. they're they're pulled well that movie's good so yes. i don't want to even like mention it in the same <laughs> sentence as this but like you know the the brothers are able to get out but yeah. get drawn back in like you're saying and mm -hmm. it's you know they could have definitely used something like that in this something to make it like a little that. bit if, better yeah if we're not going to commit ourselves to doing like the supernatural stuff then you need to do something else you can't just do, it is such a cop out doing that oh well it was it, they were crazy and they were murdering all these people and they didn't know <laughs> i just it's, it's it's been this is like 2018 that trope was like late 90s early 2000s and then it died and it should have stayed dead um <laughs> yeah i'm kind of with you in principle i don't think this movie can be saved i, I think it is it's the very definition of a, a fucking soulless movie um yeah. it's very difficult to inject that into it if you know what i mean uh it's yeah. very difficult to make a movie care about a subject matter when it goes out its way so heavily to not give a fuck so yeah and i mean i could see if it was you know one of the big three like franchises horror yep. franchises like you know people would still go to support that and like you know us talking about saving it you know would be kind of worth it but yeah i don't who the hell's following children of the corn still in 2021 <laughs> like <laughs> there's a new one coming jeff there's a new one coming oh yeah, yeah can't wait can't wait for that I, I i get a sneaky suspicion i know what the answer to this next question is but i wonder <laughs> if you can pick a scene to justify your statement so you've either to recommend this movie or not recommend this movie to someone that has never seen it before um pick a stance and what scene in the movie would you use to justify your stance um well this one was really tough for me to decide on how i felt about it but i'd probably say yeah stay the fuck away from it because <laughs> there's no <laughs> there's nothing good about it um if i were to provide a scene that made you want to stay away mm. i don't know watch the like intro yeah the intro's pretty bad 
I just, like heart just like, yeah. and then I did this, and then I was always trapped in the con. I don't know why I'm yeah. starting to slowly morph into a slightly higher pitch Morgan Freeman, but um, <laughs> yeah, it's just yeah. To me, the the I've got like I, the the bookend of this is how you put people off. It's like yeah. this the the bookend of this is she escapes with her pregnant son. The end of this movie is she's now dead, and the son that she had is preaching. Yeah. Oh yay! <laughs> like, <laughs> so that's a great, a great arc for this movie. Um, Jeff, let's do some grades here. Uh, it's one through five. One is hated it. Two is didn't like it. Three is liked it. Four is really liked it. Five is loved it. Point five is included. I'll come in just before you hear. Um, <laughs> not the worst one. It's not the worst one I've seen. It's it's in the bottom three for sure. Um, I'm giving this a one. I hated it. I'd like, you know, I'd, I'd just, yeah. I, I don't even. I don't. I, I yeah, hated it. Yeah. One. One. Yeah, yourself, I'm, what are you giving it? I'm right there with you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, with, if I I went any higher than that, you'd probably have to question me and never allow me to come back on your show. Kind of send out a message to everybody in the group. Be like, you got to watch out for that dude. Something is wrong. Something is wrong. He's up wrong, to something. Wrong. He's up to something. Uh, I think. <laughs> I think uh, December has changed him. Um, right. Uh, Jeff, I can't thank you for stepping up, filling the space from JP, who owes us both something now. Yeah, we'll, yeah. We'll, we'll cash sure. that in at some point. Um, you will be back with us uh, for Summer Series, which will be uh, details about that imminent within the next month and a bit. So that's... Getting excited. It's getting kind of scary as well because a lot of work, <laughs> a lot of work to go into it. But there are plenty of Russian roulette franchise retros in the works. In fact, there's a particular one in January that has a, a gap, and I will speak to you off air about it. That I think uh, you you might you might be interested in, and I'm not giving right. any more to listeners because fuck them. <laughs> I watched this movie you don't deserve for you. It. I won't get it. I'll tell you right now, I won't get a medal for watching this movie. <laughs> I also don't think they watched either that's right listeners I'm talking to you uh, Jeff thank you very much for joining my friend and uh, yeah, I am going to take my final break of this final episode in this fucking final Children of the Corn franchise, Russian Roulette franchise franchise, franchise, franchise retro um, yeah I'm going to be right back to do that right after this You're listening to the podcast Under the Stairs. And you've been listening to the podcast Under the Stairs. This has been episode 333, concluding our series, our Russian Roulette franchise retro on the Children of the Corn franchise. Big thanks to my guests joining me on this episode, Lacey Lou and Dan Chase, Carly, Gary Hill and Jeff Lawn for pulling in double duty. The bit you've all been waiting for has finally arrived, ladies and gents. This is my ordering from least favourite to favourite of the Children of the Corn franchise. At number 11 and at the bottom, Children of the Corn Revelation. At number 10, Children of the Corn Genesis. At number 9, Children of the Corn Runaway. At number 8, Children of the Corn The Remake from 2009. At number 7, Children of the Corn 666 Isaac's Return. At number 6, Children of the Corn 4, The Gathering. At number 5, Children of the Corn 2, 
The Final Sacrifice. At number four, Children of the Corn from 1984, the original. At number three, the short movie that I did not know anything about from 1983, Disciples of the Crow. At number two, and this shocked me when I sat and thought about this, but it, I have to go with my gut. Amazing special effect here and a David Canadine that doesn't stand. Children of the Corn 5, Fields of Terror at number two, which means the number one spot by a country fucking mile. Easily the best movie in the entire franchise. Be a long way by a long, long way, by a minimum a point and a half in my scoring, is Children of the Corn 3, Urban Harvest. So there we go, that is my ordering. Do you agree? Do you disagree? Do you like this franchise? If so, let me know. Uh, but yeah, thank you very much to all my guests for joining me. There's a multitude of ways to check out podcasts under the stairs. Wherever you're listening to us right now, hit subscribe. That we get the shows as and when they drop. And access to the entire back catalogue of Teapots content. You can subscribe to our sister feed, the Teapots Collective. Over there, you get shows like Opera Omnia, Doing the Nasty, Where to Begin With, and Chronicle, with all their archives as well. Subscribing to both those feeds is the best way to support what I do under the stairs. It's been a while since I asked for this, but if you do use either Apple Podcasts or now on Spotify, you can actually give us a rating. And it's been a while since we had any new ratings. So if you've enjoyed the many, many, many hours that I put out this year, take two seconds, leave either a rating on Spotify or on Apple Music or wherever you listen to us. If there's a rating allowed, it really does help us. All those kind of nice ratings anyway, um, make us a little bit more visible to people that are, are looking for assurance that they're selecting the correct podcast for a first listen. So... A very small thing to ask and it would mean the world to me as well as subscribing to both those feeds. If you don't like using podcatchers then you can jump across to our website tpotscast.com Links to all the shows are there as well as a link to Jaws' Shite and other regrettable outbursts the booze-based banter entertainment podcast featuring myself, The Baz and Scott Liam from Scott and Liam vs Evil. We will be returning with a new episode in January covering all the festive shenanigans and oh by god much more much more than that. Jaws is shite and other regrettable outbursts is exclusively available on teapotscast.com. Ladies and gentlemen, you can interact with me on Facebook if that is your will. Facebook.com forward slash groups forward slash teapotscast to speak to me on podcasts under the stairs page. If you're only trying to keep up to date with what shows are coming out from the Teapots Collective, then the Facebook page is facebook.com forward slash teapotscast. And for those that want to interact with mucky conversations and pretty awful posts for Joss's shite then the group is facebook.com forward slash groups forward slash regrettable pod if you hate facebook shun that platform then of course you can interact with myself and the bars on the twin prongs of social media sexiness instagram and twitter both can be followed at tbutzcast Tomorrow is a feel-good episode to put you in the mood for Christmas. You guys selected it, so we're going to be doing it. Myself and Darren Wilson will be sitting down and doing your dream double bill of true crime documentaries. The two movies are about as grim as they get. In fact, one has grim in the title, but one of them about broke my heart. So thanks very much for doing that, ladies and gents. Myself and Darren will be talking about Tales of the Grim Sleeper from 2014 and Dear Zachary from 2008. And eight. So join us tomorrow when that episode drops. And until then, wherever you are, what the time zone is, and whatever you're up to in this big bad world of ours, please take care of yourselves out there. This is Duncan McLeish broadcasting live from under the stairs, and I am signing off. <laughs>